All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hitters Only Podcast. I got a good guest today, a long, lifelong friend, co-worker at one point, lived in the same town our whole lives except for recently. Um, hard-working man, very smart guy, a world traveler. Well, I got Evan Hamill with me here today, and we're going to talk a little bit about whatever we want to talk about. We're going to talk about world travel, because he's done a lot of that. We're going to talk about a little business, and uh, we're going to sit in here and we're going to cut it up. So, what's going on, man? Hi. Thank you. Uh, how was the drive-in? Terrible. Terrible? Yep. Evan is from uh, the not not as great as Tennessee, but the great state of um, South Carolina and the Greenville area. South so. Kakalaki upstate. South Kakalaki. Yep. Drove to the mountains. Thought I was going to get caught in a tornado. So, Ooh. if we say Tennessee... Is that what they say, South Kakalaki? Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. It's better. It's all right. It's not. It's not bad. Because Tennessee really only originated in the rap songs. I feel like in like early two thousands, late nineties, like you heard like, you know, Memphis Tennessee, stuff like that. But yeah, South Kakalaki. <clears throat> um, when I say they, I'm referencing one person that I heard say it one time. <laughs> Okay. Well, man, you've lived here your whole life. You moved there. You got a lot of learning to do about that state. And Have you noticed anything different about people in general in South Carolina? Because you know how, te- I mean, living in Middle Tennessee your whole life, you kind of, not everybody's the same. You, you know, here recently especially, there's some people that live in this area because of Nashville that are from up north you notice that through their accent or you know a lot of california people do you notice though like a like a common trend of a type of person that lives in like the south carolina like oh they kind of talk like this or they kind of are this or whatever because i've always felt like in the middle tennessee area people don't have as heavy of that really southern accent is like east tennessee maybe like people have more neutral voices here like i wouldn't consider us like super hard i mean there definitely is some if you get a little bit outside of this area but i don't know what's up with the south carolina you noticed anything about them people up over there yeah i mean similar to here um you get outside in the outskirts and then the sticks or the pluff mud uh there's some there's some country folk their accent is a little different. It's a little more um, like uh, Charleston. Like, you know, oh. they wear a lot of vests. I've noticed a lot of vests, especially in the, the cooler <laughs> climate w- uh, months. You um, said something. When you moved there, you were like, dude, all the guys I work with, they all went to Clemson, and they all wear vest. mm-hmm. vests. Like, I think a there's staple. a section of their closet, and they're not the Carhartt vest, right? Like, no. not the cool ones? No. Yeah, felt or puffy vest. And how do you? How do you? Hold on, hold on. Purchase. I gotta unpack something real quick. How do you feel about puffy vest? I'm not. I, it's it's hard for me to reconcile the practicality. Okay. Of, of a right. puffy vest. So we're on the same page. There. I mean, the insulation. I mean, it, it's it's protecting your vitals, mm-hmm. but your extremities are exposed, and it just doesn't seem. Yeah. Yeah. See the. Anyways, I don't want to get off on a tangent about vest, but. Anyways, man. Well, cool. Well, so anyways, just a little background about Evan. He did live in Nashville area for a long time, worked for a really good, uh, well-known company here, Peary Construction. Uh, did a lot with them. How many years did you work there? 
About six. Six years, did a lot of big projects. Just going out to some friends' houses this afternoon, I saw a big, uh, nice, beautiful brick building they were throwing up on the corner uh, out there near the interstate. So uh, worked for them for a long time, and then his travels took him in and out of that job through the years, and they were patient with him and worked with him well because he did such a good job for them that he could basically almost, you know, call his own shots, and uh, that's what you that's what you get when you work hard. So. Anyways, I just wanted to bring you in here, man. I know we've sat around this table and had about 100 podcasts without it being recorded. This ain't no big deal for us, but I wanted to talk about your world travels because I think that's one of the most interesting things about you. And uh, God, you've gone everywhere. Um, But I wanted to kind of start from the beginning. And the beginning for me would be Chile. Can you remember what year that was? Yeah, it was 2011. Was that 2011? Mm-hmm. I was so jealous because I wanted to do that. That seemed like an awesome trip because you came back with some wild stories. But, um, I mean, just how long did how long did y'all go to? A few how, months. It was, it was like three months, wasn't it? Yeah, man, not quite. But, yeah, it, 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 we had a... We had to adjust our, our, our timeline. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about y'all getting out of there. I mean, what what did y'all, what was y'all's deal being there? Because I remember you telling me about working and, like, running a sling blade with flip-flops and just a bunch of wild and all kinds of stuff down there. The stories were wild. I would like to recount some of them just to see if they're the same as I remember them. But I think... <clears throat> Getting into that, um, the reason why we felt justified in going on such a ambitious trip, um, or ignorant, however you want to look at it, um, was prefaced with him and I both obtaining Eagle Scout, the rank of Eagle Scout and Boy Scouts. Oh, that's right. So we got that uh, little feather in our cap, and we thought we were, hey, let's go travel the world and apply some of the things we've learned. I forgot that we have a real live Eagle Scout with us here today, folks. (laughs) That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we, we, we had a lot of uh, probably unworthy confidence going into this trip. Um, also with the inspiration of his brother, his brother Aaron. His brother was had, had traveled. Uh, your brother had traveled with him. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that influenced me, I know, personally, um, seeing them and just thinking, oh, that's just something normal a grown man does. Like, there's a rite of passage. You know, you, you, you go through these steps and – you become a man, and then you need to go out in the world and, and, and apply some of the things you've learned and just kind of test your grit and see if you can hold up to the pressure. So we, as young men, thought, well, it's better than going down to a, to a part of the world that hadn't seen a lot of people like us and has a lot of adventure that we could tap into. And um, we had very limited funds, knowledge, specifically the language. Yeah, where were you even working at when y'all... <clears throat> what job did you quit to go there? Were you just doing... I don't remember. That's a good question. Uh, actually, you know, I, was, I think I was with Habitat for Humanity. Okay. Yep. That I sounds was, right. I was a project coordinator. And Josh for, was with uh, Green Roof? No, he was with another Green Roof uh, or soil tech, like an engineered soil installation company. So y'all both pretty much quit your jobs. Yeah. To do, okay. Yeah. Um, Josh had worked a lot more than I had, and had his, his little nest egg was... A little healthier than mine. He he actually was the main inspiration and, and 
the kind of the, the force behind the, the inspiration of this, this trip. We had, in terms of planning, uh, we coordinated with one of Aaron's friends uh, who lived in Nashville. I remember Josh and I going up uh, with Aaron one night to have some dinner back to his place, and uh, we, we just pulled out an old you know paper map, looked at South America, and said, where do you want to go? And That's uh, cool. We kind of just pointed at Chile for, I honestly couldn't tell you really why other than it had coastal access, it had mountains, it had a lot of diversity, um, and uh, it was far away. So yeah, that's real. How long of a flight was that? It's a good haul, so um, obviously you have, you have some layovers. Um, you can't just direct flight down to uh, Santiago, but you go out of either Texas or Miami, and then it was overnight. To that point, we I had at the time um, had a really good connection with a uh, employee of American Airlines where we flied standby, and that's uh, a, a quick fun story about that. Is it's you know standby if you're not familiar is sketchy. I know that because I've talked to you on the phone a lot when you've been on standby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's just it's you cross your fingers and you, know, you can get yeah. a flight. Yep. So you sit around at the, at the terminal um, at the gate and you know that there is a flight that gets to where you would ideally like to get to. And if there's an opening at the time that the flight's about to take off, you get a seat. If you don't, you wait for the next one. Yeah. Um, so you're waiting on two seats. Yeah, yeah. So the comedy behind the first leg of that flight was out of BNA in Nashville. And um, they did warn us. The employee of, of American Airlines said, you know, I, a lot of times first class becomes available because a lot of people don't want to purchase first class. <laughs> but if you fly first class, you're representing American Airlines as the company. So you oh. need to pre- be presentable. And Josh and I are historically not presentable people. Uh, well, um, yeah, I mean, very casual um, in, in in our in our dress. So I had sandals on, and shorts, and a t-shirt. I mean, you weren't. I mean, 2011, you were 19, 20. Yeah, 19. Yeah. So, how presentable is any 19-year-old? Unless they're at the daggum prom, you know, you, you well, know what I'm saying. And, like, and with that in mind, we're going down on an adventure. I'm not going as a, on a business trip. Yeah, I mean, you're not in khakis, slacks, and a button up. You're mm-hmm. probably in, you know, but so all right. so we, we 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 get the opportunity to fly first class, um, and the stewardess immediately identified our garb and said that's not acceptable. You need to, you need to have closed-toed shoes, you need to have pants, and you need to have uh, a button-up shirt to sit in first class to represent our company. So wow. um, they our bags were checked, um, which that's a lesson learned um, just for any people who, who aspire to travel and be flexible. Um, checking bags is not ideal. So, yeah. But that, I won't get into that as much. But um, what that resulted in, in is us requesting them to pull our bags out from the belly of the, of the plane to get some um, some clothes. But I didn't have um, the that, Hold on, that's... So they, so y'all had to ask them to mm-hmm. pull your bags back out of the plane. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, they're I, on the tarmac. They were right there. I could see them. I was like, okay. "That's my bag right there." And I've they're got close. somebody in the right. radio like, "Hey, yep. pull yep. the blue suitcase." And you, you know, they, they got the little little ladder thing up to the to the to the yeah yeah. Um, so they brought the proper clothes, but Josh had closed-toed shoes. For some reason or another, I don't remember exactly why, but my closed-toed shoes weren't acceptable. So I had to run around the airport. And find closed-toed shoes. And the only thing in B&A is $1,000 boots, boots. Cowboy boots. Or, you know, you go to, like, the uh, like the newsstand that has just, you know, snacks and magazines and, and, and your, your neck pillows and your headphones. 
and ended up buying pink fuzzy uh, slippers <laughs> that were closed-toed. No And those were acceptable? They let it fly. Oh, my. No pun intended. Dude, so, they must have been like, all right, he just went and bought, like, the pink fuzzies, like. Yeah, let the kid on the plane. Yeah. Yep. So, wore them on to the plane, took them off, and they stayed on the plane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I would have left them in the back of the seat, you know, like in that pocket where the instructions are if the plane's sinking in the ocean. That's where I would have left them. And they don't, they don't, they don't um, make uh, size 12 men's pink Mm-mm. slippers either, so. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, all right, so we get on the plane. We get down to Santiago, uh, one of the largest cities and populations in the world. And uh, we were uh-huh. overwhelmed with just the size, and you know that's not what we're there for. We're not there to be tourists in the city. We're there to we're there to get lost. Mm-hmm. And um, we very quickly realized our ignorance on the lack of language. I mean, I, I'd taken to you know some some time in school on Spanish, but mm-hmm. not even nearly conversational. Yeah, um, I mean, I think me and you were in the same. We had the same Spanish teacher at one point in high school, and I'm just going to go ahead and assume that didn't go well for you because it definitely didn't go she well did for not, me. Uh, no, I, I did not yeah. take that class with the intention of uh, using it. God bless Miss Craver. She was a beautiful person, but, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we know Cerveza, which is important here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's about it. And uh, I'd had to slug a couple of them before I could get the confidence to walk around that place. Yeah, and, and I mean, and as a 19-year-old, I mean, we, we going getting on the plane, boarding the plane, buku's of confidence, thinking we're taking on the world. Yeah, getting off the plane, not so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just the taxi ride from the airport to our little hostel was a culture shock. I mean cars are literally bumping each other there are i mean the, the traffic scooters. lanes are not abide you, you, i mean traffic laws and and just the general courtesy of traffic yeah is uh it doesn't apply and it's not something we were used to so it's a lot fast loud we're getting in there we can't speak can't understand um find a bar sit down and um kind of reconcile where we're at and what we're going to do yeah because they don't have the same drinking laws america does no, so, no. If you're 19, you're more than well over drinking age, yeah. probably. And I mean, we're we're both Josh and I both are over six feet tall, and Josh at that time had a beard, and we, we I mean, yeah. So we kind of just acclimate ourselves best we can, try to try to slow it down, check the tempo, and reassess our near future of what we'd like to do. And I think we spent maybe two days in Santiago, and it was just too much. We had to get out of there. And so we again kind of. I mean, I remember going to a uh, a bus stop. A lot of, I mean, a, a very economical and practical way to travel in South America is by bus, um, and, and it's not a Greyhound like what you think of here. It's, I mean, they're they're nice buses. They're autocoms. They have have first class. They have their version of first class, second class, and then general, and they're cheap. We have our backpacks on our back. We literally get to the bus stop and look up there. We don't even know how to order a bus ticket. We don't know how, where we're going or how to get there. And we look at a map, and again, I think Josh picked it out, just pointed at a spot, and then told the ticket booth, we'd like to go to this place. Two tickets, please. That place wow. Was, yeah, that place was called Pucon. Overnight bus, I mean, probably 13 hours on a bus. Show up early morning. We luckily were, we hit the jackpot with where we just 
consequently decided to go. And then Pecan turned out to be a beautiful, you know, experience. And um, But again, not what we planned to do, which we didn't have any plans. But um, we get in there, and again, the, the language barrier is proving to be uh, an issue because um, we, we went down there with the intention of, all right, we, we have the experience or we feel that we have the capabilities to sustain ourselves and go on this trip and uh, live off the land and, and just experience culture and uh, go on hikes and fish and just camp where we need to and um, not make any plans, not, yeah. not be bound by anything but ourselves and, and, and our budget. And uh, we, um, we're trying to get some, some local intel. I mean, this is Pucan. Uh, so Chile is a, is a long, skinny uh, from top to bottom country um, has has multiple climates in different regions, and Pucan is in the southern beginning into the southern portion of the country. It's not quite Patagonia, but it's but it's definitely got some mountainous terrain and um, some acclimation. The city, the Pucan, was known for its outdoors um, accessibility. For to there, there's a there's a local volcano, uh, Valiracon. There's uh, world class whitewater. Um, there's fishing. Um, it's it's a beautiful area. We are scrambling to try to just find out what we want to do and how we want to get there and where we want to go, with the intention of hiking. You know, some multiple days, mm-hmm. I mean, just a series of days of just hiking to get to another destination, with fishing and um, supplementing our, our our food with, with fish on the yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I remember talking to you on the phone a couple of times, and I remember you kind of telling me that some of y'all's because essentially you're just backpacking across a section of south america and chile and i remember you telling me you ran into some people that were like hey y'all can't walk like up this mountain or this way like at night something bad will happen to you yeah and that's and that's who so with our search of trying to find local intel and, and trying to find an established trail or a path yeah. or something. Because you're not in the tourist place. No. And then, and then, you're out, correct. Yeah, and then, out and, in the cut. And it's not, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're spoiled with, with our first world accessibility to, you know, the, the AT or the PCT or just established trail networks and systems. Yeah. Um, they don't, ha- I mean, they, they have, but it's not accommodating. Mm. Um, and it's not definitely not... Um, typical for for two 19 year old white dudes to to walk around um so the first person maybe the first or second person that we 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 asked we said we first priority was who speaks english please point us towards someone who speaks english and that person ended up being a guy named valentine via and uh dude he must have been significant if you can still remember his name today he must have hooked (laughs) y'all up go ahead well i mean it's yeah we, we well he he owned a um, adventure recreational outpost that uh, he 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 was he managed guides and he managed uh, tourist attraction stuff um, and he was uh, he could speak English and he was very personable and he essentially said what you just said you know you guys you're idiots don't do that you'll probably die <laughs> and he, and he, I mean just, I just remember I'll never forget the way he looked at us and was like you want to do what and we thought and we looked at him with equal it's like no like yeah that's what we're gonna do so tell us how we're gonna get there we're not gonna i mean you can tell us we can all day but that's not gonna stop us yeah luckily he he did um convince us otherwise and uh even offered um a little exchange which um in hindsight might have been 
intentional with with his fear uh, to provoke us to to take his offer to essentially work and live where he operated um, in lieu of food and a place to stay and access to the tourist activities hmm. until we figured it out. Right? Yeah. O- didn't, didn't he offer y'all like a house to live in too? We slept on, yeah, Josh and I slept in our sleeping bags on a, on a floor. The floor of a house? Yeah, that had no electricity, uh, no uh, essential so heat and air. Yeah. Um, with, with some other, like, uh, with some travelers, uh, a girl, um, shiny from Israel, a guy from Ecuador, hmm. a guy from Paris, um, all with all there in very intentionally in that specific place. Uh, the guy from Paris um, was a world-class kayaker. Paris. Uh, and come to find out it, that, that we had found ourselves in some of the best white water you could be in. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. So Josh and I, uh, we <laughs> did some grunt work. Um, yeah, I remember you telling me about doing some absolute nasty stuff with just working with your freaking hands and brush blading and flip-flops and just all kinds of wild stuff, to, I guess, to what, to pay the rent to live where y'all were living? Yeah, pretty much. Kind of, yeah. kind of deal? Yeah. And I remember you told me a little story about a rotten ostrich egg or something like that. Oh, it was, it was one of the nasty. It was, just, it was just chicken egg. Was it a chicken yeah, egg? Yeah, it was just a chicken egg. Okay, well, I know yeah. all about that then, because we've had some rotten chicken eggs in here, and holy. I mean, it's, it's so so the produce and, and the preservatives and just the general... Um, grocery items that you would get and and you're you're accustomed to here mm-hmm. um we we would have to be very strategic with what we bought because we, yeah. we we didn't have an ice chest we didn't i mean we just had a a little corner in the kitchen where we could keep things and um mm-hmm. so we'd buy just enough and we definitely were, were were risking um what we were what we were consuming with some of the some of the meats and cheeses and breads and yeah. just the things that we were eating but so did you did you notice like, you know, obviously the American diet is not great, but for the most part, it's hard to nail down like what America as a society like what we eat because there's everything here. So did you notice like so I've been, you know, my travels are a joke. I've been to all inclusive resorts, but it seems like like I've been to Jamaica and it seems like they eat like a lot of chicken you know they call it barbecue i suspect it's goat meat mm-hmm. you know they eat a lot of rice just did you notice like a certain type because like my brother and um aaron went to thailand and he was like did they eat nothing but fish and rice that's it yeah. did you notice like something that was like a pretty common trend as far as like what the chilean people ate for the most part like their base food or I think you could. I mean, it's it's all a, a, a variety of similar components. So you know, you have your breads, you have your carbs, and then mm-hmm. you have your meats, and you have um, and your fruits and vegetables. Um, sure. Some of the, some of the fruits and vegetables are regional and, and they're and they're, yeah. and they're unique. But I mean, everywhere you go is going to have some form of meat or cheese wrapped in a piece of bread. Really, empanadas or mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, fried bread or boiled bread. Um, a lot of it's you know dependent on availability access to 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 the climate and and what that region has to offer i mean like corn and rice and beans are a lot of staples Mm -hmm. um chile and ecuador do have the luxury of having a pretty heavy protein diet 
No, oh, nice. Like, do you see any cattle? Are yeah, there? yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, everything does seem to be a little different. So, like, you know, when you drive past a cattle farm in the states, like out west or Kansas or Missouri, I mean, you, you kind of just see like the whole stands. You see your your standard dairy or beef cattle. Yeah. They all kind of look the same, depending on. I mean, you can drive to from yeah. one state to another. Yeah. Um, theirs seemed a little smaller, a little more wild. Hmm. I mean, even their paddocks and their and their and their pastures are just a little less unkept. It just doesn't seem as industrial. And I'm sure that yeah. has a lot to do with the production and, and the restrictions and the pesticides and all the stuff that well, we... You know, that's funny you say that because sometimes I feel like in America we um, focus on how things look. And I've been to the Dominican and I've been to Jamaica and it's nothing for like somebody's goat to just be like chilling around town. Like, you know, here in America, we're so worried about, like, oh, keep your animals in your, you know, on your property. And keep, hey, don't, I don't want your goat walking over here in the road. You know, sometimes I feel like other countries are a little bit more accepting of, like, livestock just being just out there, hanging around. And it's not like you have to have, like, oh, my 100-acre field's fenced off, and I, I, I'm proud of my fences. I keep them hemmed up, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think they're a little bit more like, eh, yeah, everybody knows that's my cow. Well, I think that's a lot to it. I mean, it's community and the, and, and the scope of your community. So if you have, yeah, I mean, if, if your community is small. Yeah, I think that's John how people are. Road. I think that's how people are meant to live, man. Yeah. In smaller communities, uh, not not focused on such a big thing. But, man, that's awesome. So pretty much, not to not to wrap the 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 Chile trip up, but. Uh, if you have anything else you want to add to that, for sure. But, um, man, would you would would you ever want to go back there? Absolutely not. I will. I will go back there. I'll go. go, I'll, back go I'll, I'll specifically go back to Pecan. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's a. Uh, I remember, you know, being the broke 19 year old. I looked in awe at uh, some of the resorts because it's a it's a beautiful area. I mean, Pecan is a is a is a tourist attraction. We just got lucky with where we just happened to choose, and there was a uh, <coughs> hotel resort. That I've always, I'm in my back pocket. That's where I will 100% return to one day with my future potential wife or whatever have you family. I, I will make it a point to return to that place one day. I want to get into some of the other places you've been to. Do you think that that first trip to Chile with, uh, you know, your best friend having that wild experience, it was a lot of, sounds like a lot of culture shock. Just a lot, because, you know, hey, Essentially, you're a teenage boy that's grown up in America your whole life, uh, in a bubble, in a great state, uh, in a great family, and then you just throw yourself into a a foreign country. It sounds like instead of uh, shying away from the intimidation of that experience, you kind of leaned into it, both y'all. Do you think that's kind of what set sail to the rest of your experiences as far as traveling? Like, oh, I want some more of that. Like, I wouldn't mind... Because uh, some people lean into adversity and, and they kind of search it out like and they want to experience new things. Because sometimes new things don't come in an easy way. That sounds like that, that trip was very uh, influenced you in a big way because, man, you've, you've gone a lot of places. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely think um, aspects of it were infectious. I think a good example of that was our experience with Christmas. Um, Christmas is such a, you know, nostalgic time yeah. spent with family um, mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of, 
you know, uh, repetitious um, things that, that people just are used to doing every year. You know, you, you've got your, your set schedule and who's coming to what and how you exchange gifts and who you exchange them with, the, the movies that you watch together. Um, but being down there at that time was, it felt lonely. You felt exposed and you felt like you're, you're really shifting the paradigm of what you associate with this really specific holiday um, and it with strangers. Mm. And it was... Absolute. Y'all were down there for Christmas? Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was the best... Well, no offense, family, friends. It was one of the best Christmases I've ever experienced. That's I mean, awesome. we, we, we barbecued. Um, we played music. We danced. We um, just enjoy and, and everyone's in the same position. All the other travelers are in a similar situation because the whole world, essentially, celebrates Christmas. It's a universal holiday. And we all were, you know sitting in the communal we all enjoyed our company and it was really nice to share that commonality of i'm somewhere different you're somewhere different but let's be here together that's awesome hey that speaks a lot to the chilean people man and it sounds like you were that speaks a lot to the world because you said you were with somebody from paris did you say jerusalem israel israel Mm -hmm. And two American country boys, whoever, a, a Chilean guy that owned the house. We, and we picked up somebody random on the side of the road to go grocery shopping that night. I that mean, good God, home. man. Yeah. That's the world you want to live in. Yeah. And, and I, I felt, I felt, I mean, religious uh, from, from the, I mean, which Christmas very much is so. Yeah. I felt that's how Jesus, you know, would, would, would he would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And celebrating his birth uh, Absolutely. by sharing communion and, and breaking bread. That's and, what you did. And dancing and, and enjoying life. And, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience. That's beautiful, man. Um, dude, I'm blanking. I don't know. I know you came back here. I don't know if it was for a long time, a little bit, but I don't know. When, where was the next out-of-country place you went after that? I did a quick vacation to Jamaica. That was a vacation. That was a party. Yeah. So. But um, um, was it the Virgin Islands? Was that the next? Okay, so. Okay, all right. So I remember you were living out here in um, Las Casas, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I guess that's south of Nashville, Tennessee, in in an absolute beautiful home um, with a with a lovely uh, on on a lovely family farm um, that. Still, in a way, very dear to my heart. That that was a beautiful piece of property you were living in. Um, and you essentially got an opportunity to go down to the Virgin Islands to stay permanently with a friend, essentially. Yeah. That's how I remember it. So, yeah, man, I mean, you did a lot down in the Virgin Islands. You, um, you basically went down there for a vacation and ended up living there for how long? A year and a half? Something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah popped back into Tennessee a couple times and man I really feel like as far as changing into a a different person a better version of yourself I feel like you came back from St. John with a little bit more knowledge of how the world works Uh, I think you did a lot of cooking down there for some restaurants stuff like that lived with a good man uh, for a little bit, lived with some 
lifelong friends that you still keep in contact with, I think. And um, so, yeah, man, I mean, how was it living in freaking paradise? I mean, you came back and you were like, dude, you want to talk about Budweiser? I drank some Budweiser while I was down there next to Kenny Chesney. All right. Uh, it's a, it's a very alcohol uh, drinking town environment. Yeah, yes. drinking town. Um, and the lifestyle I was living, I was still young. Yeah, um, working in a restaurant, place surrounded by tourists that are having a great time. Worked really hard and 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 experienced some really hard times. Definitely the most destitute financially I've ever been and hope to ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, did uh, but to give some credit to, to my entry. Um, I was given the opportunity to, to, to get my, you know, to get my legs underneath me with, with a really great man, Mr. Netherland and, um, any and I were, any our good friends. And, uh, she, she always entertained the opportunity, uh, that, uh, her, her dad, uh, spent some time, spends time down there, um, strate- strategically. And I, uh, given the chance, if she wanted to go down to visit him, I, I was, I was welcome to tag along and I was jokingly, but knowing that the real gravity of, of what I was saying, I, I meant it. Um, I always said that if you if I go with you, I'm not coming back. That's what you told me, and you told me on the the Netherland farm we were hanging out in their pool one afternoon, and you, and you told me you were going down to St. John with India, and you asked India like, "Hey, I'm gonna kind of buy like a one way ticket," hmm. and she was like, "Well, you know, that's up to you, kind of deal," and you're like, "All right, well, that's what I'm doing." Because I remember, like, we were hanging out, like, the night before you left, and it was, like, an understood thing. Like, I'm not coming back at, like, a certain time. Like, I'm kind of going down there long term. Yeah. I mean, and, and within reason, I, I, I had the expectation that it was going to be nice. I think that's fair. But I also uh, realistically uh, wanted to, to assess my environment to see, is it, is it, is it livable? Can, can, I, can I plant myself here long term? Um, and when I got down there, it's it definitely met the expectations um, in terms of beauty and um, lifestyle. But could I afford it? Could I? Could, is it sustainable? And um, Ed, uh, and it was not my intention to impose myself on his situation um, and his lifestyle. Um, but pretty early on, he did say, you know, um, if, if you need to stay for a week or so, just make yourself comfortable and, and do what you got to do. So um, I reluctantly, because I, I like to be independent, um, but graciously took him up on that offer. Got to, with that, spend some time uh, experiencing his world, which is very unique and impressive while trying to, uh, I, did, I got a job pretty quick um, and then got out of there as soon as I could for myself, mainly. Not not because I felt I was imposing on him because he was very welcoming. He was very accommodating. Um, and just to pause on that for a second i have a lot of respect for that family and uh, ed's no longer with us but a couple of times i met him he was always extremely nice to me and i always carry a lot of respect for people like that and he was very kind to you i'm very grateful for people that are good to my friends if you're if you're good to my brothers i will always love you even if i don't know you because that speaks a lot to me that you treated someone that I have mass amount of respect and love for and you treated them like your own son that's very special to me I didn't know him like you did you've told me some amazing things about him and the kind of guy he was and he opened up his home and (laughs) let a 
let a long-haired hippie hang out and freaking, you know, paint artwork in his living room and hang out with them and, I don't know, you ran errands for him. You hung out with them, drank with them, yeah. probably smoked cigars with them. And so I just, I just want to pause there and say that I have a lot of respect for that whole family. I think they're all good people, and everyone, everyone in that whole family has been, has been nice to me, and they still are. And uh, we might see some out on out the lake tomorrow. And uh, so I just wanted to say that about Ed. He was a very impressive man. Um, yeah. And I have more than admiration and respect for him and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and forever we will be grateful. I actually um, have a painting that, that I did make for him um, to express my gratitude that yeah. hangs up in my living room. And I detest my own artwork. I don't like to look at it. I don't like to. I, once, I, once I gift it to someone... It's theirs forever, and I don't ever want to see it again. Yeah. Um, but uh, after he passed, I, I did make it a point to contact someone down there after I'd left um, to retrieve that painting, and that painting means more to me than I wow, could ever say. Wow, man, that's wild. Yeah. That um, is, uh, that's wild you got that back. Yeah. means a lot. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture, too. Well, thanks. Um, but, yes, it's uh, St. John was was paradise and that was the paradox that i found myself in it was a uh, very a lot of daily irony mm-hmm. between uh witnessing and experiencing paradise but the lifestyle that i was living out of necessity was almost the opposite yeah um i mean i i upon leaving um where i was first uh i found the opportunity to live in a one-bedroom apartment with four other gentlemen uh, Didn't you live with two girls too? That was later down the road. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, Sorry. the, the first the first uh, living situation I found myself in was a one bedroom studio apartment um, with three guys from Kansas City and one guy from St. Louis, uh, and that was positioned directly above a Dominican nightclub that stayed open till four o'clock in the morning every night. Mm. And at that time, I was just starting my job as a uh, sous chef at a, at a new at an opening restaurant that I worked mornings. So I would oftentimes mm. go to work with them, them still being open. Wow. So the quality of sleep wasn't great. No. Um, no, I see. No, no. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the shower, I mean, we, we, we all go to the beach every day and the sand everywhere, all on your bed, on the floor. These guys just got out of college, so they're, they're – uh, <laughs> House house cleaning <laughs> yeah. wasn't wasn't great. Not everybody's mamas taught us like us, man. No, no. Um, but right. I was doing what I could and uh, what I had to. Yeah. Um, and even at that, I mean, uh, just just to speak to, I was saving every penny that I could to get out of that situation. I needed a place of my own as soon as I possibly could. So I was living on about three dollars a day. I was eating uh, Johnny cakes, which are like fried sweetbreads. And Coca-Cola, and I'm not a soda. I don't. I don't drink Coke. I don't. That's. I mean, I, I. I enjoy it. It's a luxury, but I was doing it because it had the yeah. the sugar and the the it's a, things it's a, to keep it's me moving. A, it's a dessert. Yeah. Um, but I, I was doing everything I could in my power to get out of that situation and get on my feet and get in my own place. Um, <laughs> I was. No, I take that back. I wasn't working at that uh, the opening restaurant at the time. I was working for the Barefoot Cowboy. Wayne Campbell from Texas opened. a barbecue joint um very unique character he's still i'm sure his youtube videos are shot there he he, uh he he did a uh cooking channel very uh boisterous character wayne was if you're gonna open a 
barbecue. Did you say a barbecue restaurant? Mm-hmm. Wayne Campbell sounds exactly like the oh, type he, of guy that would open up a barbecue restaurant. He's the man. I mean, from Texas, Wayne Campbell says it with his chest. Every I mean, time that should be the name of the place. Wayne Campbell Barbecue. I think it's on there. I think, well, he made shirts. It said, knock, knock one back with Wayne or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, was a yeah. very, he was a very uh, high-functioning alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that barbecue pit, I mean, it was legit barbecue. That barbecue pit, he claims, and I believe him because he lived there, once he lit it, when he opened up, it never went out until it closed. I mean, that's probably true. Yeah. There's always embers. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can have a campfire out here tonight after this, and it's still going to be – going tomorrow when we get up so that's probably true yep he uh he paid me in cash and in food and in booze nice um that 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 kept me going until uh the restaurant that was that was under construction that i was planned to help open was was able to open and um Mm. between then and there i uh eventually had enough money for a down payment and um recruited one of the guy from st louis his name's uh drew murphy um great man and uh him and I, because we had, we had a lot of shared values, we both were working hard to, to be in a better position, and, and we, we saw more of a long-term uh, plan with what we were trying to do other than just, you know, day-to-day. With that, we, we, we went on a search for an apartment and um, ended up, um, at, th- at that time, I bought a uh, little 50cc scooter. Nice. Moped. Yep. Moped in it, baby. Mm-hmm. So the only thing down there, uh, pe- people don't typically own a vehicle because it's definitely a luxury. It's, there's two roads. There's center line, and then there's a road that, that uh, basically uh, makes the circumference of the, of the island, the outer outskirts. A lot of bicycles? No, just people share. And, really? And, and hitchhiking is very encouraged. I mean, people, it's very, like, yeah. it's, it's not like here, like somebody sticking their thumb out and they're, they're a serial killer. It's like, no, I'm going to work. Pick them up. It's mm-hmm. a, very communal. Yeah, I mean, if there's a creepo, it's not like the creep I mean, he's on an island they won't last long yeah i they, mean they won't last long come on yep um had a scooter and i just remember driving around my scooter and just knocking on doors looking for for lease for rent signs i parked my scooter at the only this is an island i mean it's, it's a it's a i assume volcanic created i don't know it's very it, the, the the topography is very steep um not very you can't park a scooter very easily Hmm. Um, so I found the only flat spot in that area uh, to park the scooter, kick the little kickstand down, and I'm going to knock on a door, and some guy comes out yelling at me, telling me to move my scooter. West Indian guy, not very happy that I'm parked on his property. And um, I, I kind of try to cool him down, and he tells me to go down and talk to this guy. I scoot my little scooter down the road. When you say West Indian, what is that? Unpack that a little bit for me. That's that. that uh, it's... Is that like the natives there? It is. It's the okay. natives. It's it's uh, what what I gather is is I guess um, from a lot the Caribbean was used a lot for slave trade. Yeah. Um, spice trade and just trade in general. A lot of those islands were yeah. Jamaica, mm-hmm. Dominican. You know, yeah. well, I don't know about Dominican, but I know Jamaica was heavy in the slave trade. That's why, like a lot of the uh, native Jamaicans today are uh, black. Mm-hmm. And then, and then in skin color, but so. and, and, and their language uh, is very diverse depending on which island and yeah, where and which Patois which or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean it has a French um, accent, uh-huh. yeah. and they can almost speak fluent French. Okay. Or unless it was colonized by Spain, then they yeah. have Spanish. See, I, pro- I don't, I don't think that a lot of people realize that like the Virgin Islands and that like Saint John in that area has like actually has like native people. Mm. I don't people that have not been there before they probably don't do not know that. So. Yeah. And they, and they have a, when they want to, they can speak 
I mean, it's it's English, but you unless you can really you've been there long enough, you don't understand what they're saying. Yeah. If they if they want if they want to speak a different language, they effectively can. Mm-hmm. Um, told me to go down to to speak to this guy, and um, <laughs> I go down to the he, he they they him and his wife owned a restaurant, and uh, Patrick was his name, and um, his wife operated the restaurant, and I, and I asked for Patrick. And she very, you know, very quickly and bluntly, who the, who the, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to intrude. Just, just, I'm just, I was told by, oh man, I forget the guy's name that told me, but I just, one interaction, so I apologize yeah. for not remember his name, but told me to ask you, I think his name was Edward, um, asked me to come down, told me to come down here, ask you about, a, about, about availability for rent. Go down the road, talk to Patrick. Okay. Patrick has a, like a hundred pound pit bull that uh, he's got to feed gunpowder to because this thing was ready to eat me on a log and chain wrapped around a uh, telephone pole mm. and pulls it taut. I mean, I'm talking wants to eat my face. Mm. So I'm intimidated to say the least um, with the recent interactions and Patrick comes out and he's, he's a diabetic. Um, he had one leg amputated and then the other was, you know, three quarters or so. Yep. And he comes out in his wheelchair again. Who's there for you? What are you doing on my property? I was told by so-and-so, and this person told me something. Tell him the whole backstory of why I'm on his property. Um, and he takes me to this two-story. Um, all, all, all the structures down there are, you know, cementitious, like like a CMU structure with, with metal roofing because, you know, hurricanes and moisture and sand and mm-hmm. the, the, the soil that it has to bear on. So it's like it's very – that has to be a very rigid structure. And it's so it's, but it's also very simple. Simple construction, just square box. Here's your roof. Here's your rooms. And um, he, we pulled up to the back, and um, it was it was anything. It was it was better than where I was, absolutely. And then we walk out on the porch, and this porch is like a panoramic to Cruise Bay, which is the main bay that the cruise ships come into and all the ferries come into, and basically had a panoramic of one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen. And I'm wow. like, this is this is this. It can't be real. This yeah. won't work out. I mean, it's too expensive. It's not mm. like some, something. This won't work out for me. It's too good. But honestly, like what place on that island doesn't have a good view? A lot. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, a lot, okay. a lot of the, a lot of the people that work, like I do, um, don't live even close to the water. They live up center line between a valley mm-hmm. with a bunch of free range chickens and everything else yeah. around goats. Um, Americans get very used to our white sandy beaches down in Panama City Beach and Gulf Shores and all those good spots go to other places it's that's I mean a lot of beaches are rocky man they're not they're cliffs they're not exactly like 200 yards of white sand Mm -hmm. and this and this had access to Peter Bay which was right there at the bottom and nice white sandy beach oh sick Um, and I was like whatever I gotta do I'm I'm getting this place yeah we scrambled up everything we could, and we made it happen. And I was very, very lucky to find that opportunity yeah. and seize it. Um, and, and Drew and I lived there for over a year, um, and amongst other people who got to live with us as well. Not by my choice, um, yeah. but that, that house was packed a lot of times. But we, we, we helped each other out. We all, you know, it was a community. Everybody struggled every once in a while, and we tried to help people get back up and share it and hopefully, uh, you know, pay it forward. You, uh worked at what what so you were obviously like a chef or a a grill line cook or something of that magnitude while you were down there to make money 
what uh what was like what was the restaurant called that you worked at down in uh, St. John? Give them a shout out. Yeah, Cruise Bay Landing. They're still Cruise they're still, Bay Landing. Yeah, they're still operating. Uh, I actually went down there a few years ago, and they're they're doing well. Nice. What they got? What's what's up with that it's, menu? It's um, it's definitely got a Caribbean influence. Yeah. Um, it's it's um high, heavily American influence, but it has Indian dishes. It has mm. um a lot of seafood, um, because it's an island. So the chef and I. We played volleyball. That's how I got to know him. We, we played volleyball on yeah. Sundays. And um, he's a really, really qualified, great chef. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, 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 but you're a t- stereotypical chef. Like, just eight, like, be, I mean, very structured, very serious. Um, and took that took that opening of that. That was his first kitchen that he was uh, opening. Mm-hmm. So he took it very seriously. And, yeah. I, and I was the first one that he brought on, not because of my qualifications, but because I just happened to be the first person he talked to that, was available um so i helped him build the menu and we helped you know but w- with it being an island there's not a, a lot of access to fresh produce or, or fresh seafood yeah or, or fresh anything so you really have a lot of luxury to build your menu off of really whatever you want because everything's getting shipped in mm-hmm. so it, it's it, you want it to have influence and you want it to have you know a reflection of your surroundings but you also have the luxury of like hey let's let's put some tweaks on things let's put some fusion in here oh yeah um, so we, we had a really nice breakfast. We had a real, I mean, eggs Benedict and bagels and lox and some really, really nice dishes for breakfast. Nice. Um, not your, you know, just biscuits and gravy, and which would have been nice, actually. We didn't have gravy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember you would uh, call me, and I would obviously talk to you about cooking and stuff and your job because that's mainly what you had going on. And you, you acted like you, you put some hours in at that place. You, you worked a lot, played hard, worked hard that kind of stuff and um i think you uh you know kind of had a little bit of a love story while you were down there and um had a good time man i remember you telling me about the beach parties the volleyball and just sounds like i'm a little bit jealous because while everybody else was in college you were just in saint john (laughs) you know yeah. Living a absolute dream life, living on the beach in paradise, and uh, you made it work. You and your buddy Drew, which I've never met him, I would love to meet the guy, uh, just because uh, you think a lot about him, so I'm sure I would too. But I remember you um, you kind of came back to Tennessee in the middle of that. You flew in just for like maybe four or five days. I think that was on when you were on your $3 a day budget. And you were so skinny. <laughs> no, I, I was. I was. I was running a lot down there. I was. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I you were active. Dude, yeah. you were swimming, running, yeah. playing volleyball, uh, working as a cook, which is very hard work, and it's hot, and you sweat all day. So, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. You, I, I, to, sorry. Sorry. To, no, to wrap ahead. up. To wrap up, St. John. I guess. And and like you know, I guess the the from the outside looking in, I guess the. And a, an easy question to ask is, well, why would you leave paradise? Yeah. Like, what, what's so wrong with what's down there? Um, mm-hmm. And as I indicated earlier, it's a very alcohol-induced environment. It's, uh, it, it eats a lot of people up. And I think that's easy to, to, to see. Yeah. Um, I did get to uh, experience a wonderful relationship. Um, a girl, Kelsey, um, fell in love really quickly and easily. Um, felt very effortless, yeah. um, in, 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 a, in a beautiful place. So it's kind of it's 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 a little, um, 
it's a little too perfect. Uh, and and with a, with a name, I mean that the, the nickname of that island is called Love City. Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's where a lot of people come to for you know for their honeymoons. Um, it just got so small so quickly, and and my and then I started to really take a step back and look at the people that were around me, the people that had been there for 10, 20 years. Yeah. Um, and observe how their, their lifestyle. And a lot of people weren't much better off than I was, and they'd been there for decades more than I had. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's, some, most of them still hadn't owned property, or most of them didn't have really any respectful admiration or like, like aspirations to do anything else. Yeah. And it was great. It was something that, I mean, I, I definitely trial by fire, learned a lot, became stronger and better at what I was doing and what I was trying to do and experienced friendship and love and, and um, life in general. Um, well, I think you're blessed with the gift that a lot of people don't have. Um, I don't want to say that I have this gift as well, but I think I recognize some of this and what you're trying to say right now is <clears throat> you see where that life goes. And you're like, man, I'm, I, I think I want to do something bigger than that. And maybe I, I want to have more of a reach and more opportunity than this island. And look, man, there's nothing wrong with those people that are living there and doing their thing. You kind of wish you were more like those islander people and were okay with the simplicity of living on an island and being content and living in paradise, living there and dying there. And that's a beautiful thing that those people are doing. But, you know, not everybody is cut from the same cloth. You want to do something bigger and you want to, you know, you work in the construction industry and you want to, you want to build things and meet people and, and move your outreach everywhere. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so I understand that. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you kind of see where that, that road's going. Because, yeah. I, I mean, at that time, that was before you were even in the industry that you're in now. So, you know, you were like, man, I don't want to be a cook on an island for the next 30 years. It was years. exhausting. I mean, yeah, I, you know I, what I, mean? I, like, I witnessed multiple seasoned <clears throat> uh, culinary school graduate chefs break down and cry. Really? Throw their towel down and quit right there and leave. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of, excuse me, you kind of see where that's going and you're like man i don't want to be 50 years old with a worn out liver and, and tired feet from cooking in this kitchen and 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 just for that the, the specific of the <clears throat> island i'd be on the way to work in the morning um four o'clock it's still dark trunks are still out walking around stumbling around yeah i could hear someone talking behind me having never met them but know about them and know who's talking and it, it's it's essentially a stranger because i've never introduced them formally but I know who's talking mm-hmm. and that's just an analogy of how small that island is and i was starting i very quickly became claustrophobic and had to go stretch my legs so it, it, it I, I like most things i experienced it saw it through could claim i guess success um and then st- stayed a little too long and realized it's time to go well when you came back first of all very glad that you came back when you came back, that's when you worked at uh, Adams Place NHC with me. That was that. That was actually between. Um, that was that was before. Sometime. No, that was that yeah. was before. Because when I quit, because that's where you got your food experience. Yep. Essentially. Yep. And then that. Okay. So, so you came back from St. John, and what was next? I forget. Did you work for Perry. Mm, yes. 
um, went back to Green Rise. Okay, with worked with Josh. Yeah, went to Colorado and D.C. and just traveled a lot with him and, mm-hmm. and stacked some cash with the intention of uh, buying a truck and going on a road trip with Kelsey because Kelsey and I were together. So y'all went, you drove with your girlfriend at the time. I can't believe She's that beautiful. it took don't, you. Don't you squander her name. Hey. Like that Ruby. I shouldn't. She's beautiful. She never broke down, did she? No. Had a, yeah. Dude, yeah. I had a pr- – our, our friend – who was a hell of a mechanic, looked at that truck, and he said, I hope he's not planning on taking that thing more than 100 miles. And that sucker went everywhere, dude. A two-wheel drive. I mean, we went dead of winter. Yeah. I mean, through feet of snow. Yeah. I did get stuck on a couple overpasses, snow passes, and the tow truck driver asked me what the hell I was doing up there. But um, now Ruby did great. I mean, it's our home. Two adult human beings lived in the back of a long bed truck for six months. With a months. camper top. That yeah. wasn't no camper. That was a camper, like a... Flush, flush aluminum camper top. Yeah. No headroom. Sweet truck. We called it the there. aluminum camper top was actually our uh, alarm clock because in the morning the snow would sit on top of the aluminum and our body heat would melt the snow and the condensation would come through <laughs> and drip on our foreheads. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. If I could track that truck down... I'd love to buy that truck back mm. because uh, some nice uh, bridesmaids drove you home in that truck and dropped you off at your, your parents' house the night of my wedding and um, traveled the world in that or in this country in that truck and did a lot. It's got a lot of cool memories, and, man, I'd love to have that truck sitting in the yard just to have it. That was a good one. Yeah. Who'd you sell it to? You don't remember? I don't. Yeah, just some somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. can't hold on to everything. No. But y'all went, what, up to Colorado? Uh, we, we did spend most of our time in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, we, we, I mean, we went coast to coast. We went all the way to California. That's what I thought. Camped in Malibu for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty much when we got to the West Coast, I was broke. I was. Yeah, ready to come home. Well, I had to come home. Yeah. Um, we 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 did we got to do a lot of cool stuff and kudos to her man i mean what a trooper i mean uh we showering out of truck stops and eating not the greatest food i mean we had to hand wash all our clothes and hang them up on a on a clothesline cooking out of a you know propane stove by the back of the truck and it was dead of winter let me remind you it was not warm so yeah kudos to her for for sticking in there and 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 enjoying it it's not she didn't just stick in there she enjoyed it yeah um so I'm I'm grateful for for that dynamic. But I will speak to the first day of that trip and just the dynamic of relationships. And uh, for me personally, having at that time not experienced a lot of relationship um, trials, the very first day, um, I won't get into details of the context of the of the argument, other than I was right. No, I got um, you. I've heard the stories. Yeah. Continue. Um, regardless, we, we, we were at a point in the vehicle at the very first day of the trip. I mean, wheels just hit the, hit the road. We were in Kentucky snowing and, um, we, we weren't talking and in a single cab bench seat truck, you can't get too far away. That's tough energy. Yeah. Yeah. To escape. I'm, I'm just, just straight ahead. Looking at the road, gripping the steering wheel a little too hard, <laughs> and she's just, you know, 
glancing out the side of the passenger side window just you can just cut the tension with the knife yeah so i decided to all right when you when you just need to pull over so pull over truck stop or at a at a at a welcome stop with the bathroom she goes to the bathroom and i immediately which i don't con- love my dad wise man but i don't typically confide in him about relationship stuff mm-hmm. but he was just the first person that popped in my head i was like i can call my dad i gotta figure out what's going on here i'm asking what i gotta do yeah Call my dad. I was like, Dad, what, what the hell you do with mom when, when you know it's like this? Mm-hmm. And uh, his advice was was good. It was it was standard, but good advice. I needed to hear it. Um, he's like, son, basically, to boil it down, you know, choose your battles. It's not always. I mean, it, it's, well, first, ask yourself: Is it worth fighting? And even if you win, is it worth winning? Yeah. But at the end of the day, choose your battles. Is is this one worth fighting? And, and, you know, and that's always are. not a she's wrong, you're right, mm-hmm. or he's wrong, she's right thing. That's that's a thing like, is this is this that serious yeah, yeah. to where I need to make a thing out of this? Yeah. You so, know what I mean? So it's snowing. She's in the bathroom. He gives me some good advice. So I step out of the truck, stretch my legs a little bit, and I take snow, and I pack the hell out of a snowball. <laughs> All my anger God. is compressed in this yeah. snow. Wet Kentucky, you know, sloshy snow. Oh, God. She comes out of that bathroom, and I peg her with it. And immediately, just as the snowball bursts, so does all the tension. Yeah. And everything from there was, we were like, all right, Man. let's have a good time. And we had we had a great almost six months on the road. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think so many times in relationships, I don't know why, but sometimes you get frustrated with, the people that you love the most, you get frustrated with them the most. Mm. And uh, sometimes I don't understand that myself, and I've tried to unpack that a little bit with myself and try to understand why you get, you know, because obviously I'm married and got a family, and um, we get frustrated with each other sometimes. And I always try to remember, because my wife, uh, Kaylin, has always told me, she was like, "You you don't take life that serious and i try to remember that because that's that's how i naturally live but like like anybody else i get frustrated too about stupid stuff and um i try to i just try to remember like man it's not like it's not that serious like it's a no one died no one got hurt everything's fine sometimes something something stupid is throwing a snowball at somebody cracking a joke Something like that can break the ice and and make the difference, and that's an. I feel like that was a big life lesson right there, just to remember, like man. Like you know, it got tense for a minute, but um, you know, I'm gonna throw that fresh pow pow at you, and we'll see how you react after that. And dude, if you get a sn- look, if you get a snowball thrown at you, you got to react with aggression, and that aggression is throwing a snowball back. Mm-hmm. You forget all issues when somebody throws a freaking snowball at you. It's on. Yeah, it's yeah. on. The only thing that I get kind of pissed about is somebody throws a water balloon at me, I get kind of pissed because mm. I don't have the power to throw a water balloon back. Because I'm like, I hadn't been at the hose pipe for the last 15 minutes filling up water balloons. Pause so don't quick. sneak it. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Have you seen what these kids have access to in regards to water balloons these days? The technology that they've injected into water balloons it hit me because we had to work for hours dude bro you had to you had to fit them on top of the, the pipe uh-huh. and hope they didn't pop nowadays these little cushy kids 
get to screw on in a little prefab adapter. It's cheating. That has like 25 little straws with prefixed yeah. balloons that come off automatically when they're full and already pre-tied. All you gotta do is turn the hose on. Yeah, that's what's wrong with generations today. You know, yeah. they don't gotta work for their water balloons. They just get to like machine gun those little things. Yeah, my kid drinks my out of the hose hurt. pipe and I let her. I don't think that's a healthy choice, but I, I let her do it. Ah, that's healthy. Gut biome. Good for her. Ah, that's what I think. But man, that's awesome. So, the road trip ends up Back here in Tennessee, of course, uh, the lovely lady you were traveling with, she's from North Carolina, correct? Correct. Um, let's just say y'all went y'all separate ways, and uh, y'all are still somewhat friends today. We could say that. So after that, I'm blanking, man. Where did you go after that? That is when I started with Peary. Okay. So you went on a little stint with getting into your career, really, man. Your dad uh, had some local connections and... Uh, hooked you up with an interview and you took it from there and worked for a uh, very well-known um, construction company here in middle Tennessee in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which man, the rumors are swirling about that, uh, a new bar, that new bar, was, man. Yeah. yeah. I was at a pool party today and some people asked me about it. I think it's going to be a cool spot, dude. If it gets done, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get done. No, it will. It, it um, looks good, and I'm not. Uh, yeah, I think I, the partners that are involved with it and uh, the location. I mean, you can't you can't mess that up. Yeah. So I drove by. I drive by there every morning. Always look in, and they got some awesome like teal, like bar stools and chairs and tables in there. It seems like it's going to be a cool spot, man. So for all y'all out there, come to Murfreesboro and hit the uh, downtown square. We got Whiskey Dicks. We got Level Three, which is a cool little uh bar it's like uh three levels i think there's a game room on the bottom just a awesome bar on the mid level with fish tanks liquor beer whatever you want to do great music and i think um shout mostly out. on the top floor i think it's mostly like like private events isn't it yeah yeah shout out wall street yeah wall street to. is a great place um one of the more more classic like when you think of like i just want to go and relax at a good bar that's Wall Street in Murfreesboro. The bottom floor is a beautiful wooden bar top. The bartenders are always super friendly. They're open during the day, late into the evening. And upstairs they have a little pool hall with a bar up there too, and it's a great spot to go to. Of course, on the square you always got um, Liquid Smoke. That's another good little bar. It's a, it's a beer bar. They don't have liquor. Uh, but it's a cool place to smoke a cigar, throw some darts, hang out. They have one of the more gangster bathrooms mm -hmm. that I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. Do you not agree? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, when I, you go I, I in there... I spend extra time in there. I, I, I don't like yeah. to just peruse in a bathroom, but if I'm going to peruse in a bathroom, it's that bathroom. They have a chair in there, like a, like a lounge chair. Yeah, with like a fish tank. Yeah. And uh, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's like elevator music in there. And like, it's one of the better bathroom. Anyways, yeah. So, I mean, there there is private lockers in the wall of that place for regulars that, like, want to keep their personal cigars. And next door to that is, is the Humidor. Mm -hmm. Great cigar shop. I mean, all time. I mean, I don't imagine that a cigar shop could really get much better. That's a, that's a great place to go. 
So and you can go next door to the humidor, get a sick cigar, and then go next door and drink an awesome, good beer at Liquid Smoke and, and have a good time. There's also Puckett's uh, Barbecue. Right. Good live music. Good live music on the on the downtown. And I haven't even got to the freaking dessert yet. <laughs> so, yeah, Puckett's is sick. There is a special place that used to not be on the square, but that has recently moved right in the thick of it, and that place is called Whiskey Dicks. D-I-X, Dicks. I know. I know what, the same. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Just, I don't, I don't know what their intention was with that name, but that it's, it's, it's a beautiful bar. They have awesome, live edge wooden top bars in that place. Great music, a massive dance floor that you can line dance. They're very welcoming to new people that are trying to line dance. You can go in there and learn for free. Not to mention, it's free beer until eleven o'clock, folks. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, y'all don't know how much trouble that got me and this guy in back in the day. You could show up there at 7 o'clock and drink free long neck beer, domestic beer, until 11 o'clock at night. And then, after that, they had 50 cent draft, which I literally think was like the bottom of the barrel. I never drank that. I got into it a little bit. And they gave it to you in the plastic cups. That's Mm -hmm. the worst, man. Didn't ask questions, just drank it. No, you don't. Anyways, it's a beautiful bar. You can take your mom there from 7 to 9 and have no issues. But if you want to get rowdy, stay there after 9. You know what I'm saying? Mm. With future phases coming up. I mean, they got got, got plans for rooftop bar, another little hip-hop room, I believe. And then behind Whiskey Dicks, there's actually uh, a new bar in construction that's going to be awesome. We'll talk about uh, that later. And uh, don't forget, on that same square, there's um, Jack Brown's Burger Joint. A real, there's a couple of good Italian restaurants. Anyways, I'll give a shout-out to the Alley. Yeah. Alley's always a good go-to. Uh, yeah, if you can get in there. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Alley's good. There's Look, there's an axe-throwing place. There's a there's an awesome Cuban place above the axe-throwing place to eat at that's super good. Empanadas, all that good stuff. Hey, check out Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's where we're from. Anyways, we just kind of wanted to throw that out there because me and him... Me and Evan here, we we spent a lot of our younger years, you know, burning both ends of our young candle on that square and uh, having a good time. And we don't regret any of it, don't miss any of it. And we wish that other people have that same experience in Murfreesboro and other good places. But anyway, so we left off your road trip. And what, what was the next? Let me guess. Africa? South America again. Brazil. No, Peru. Peru. No, start in Peru. Okay. This is where you wanted to go and learn Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. You went to take Yep. Yeah, take classes and yep. learn Spanish and So yeah. you went down per- so at this point, so I guess you could say a little bit all your trips up to this point you've had somewhat of a companion? I'd say so. Well, or or found one on the way, or somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. The first one you were with, you know, your good buddy, and then yeah. next one I went down there with people, with people, and correct, you, and, and you, there was someone there that I you could, knew someone yes, local, yeah. and um, and then you came back and you went on a very extensive road trip with um, a partner, and so 
really this is the first time you're really just kind of stepping out there on the diving board solo yeah yeah so, i hadn't thought about that but yeah so you went to peru with the intent of learning a little bit of espanol see si. yeah man just uh give me a little quick rundown about what what was happening peru down in peru that was i did want to just dive into spanish i was you know having the failed attempt of chile in my past and almost embarrassed and then also getting into the construction industry and being exposed to more spanish um i just wanted to be more familiar with it and it just seemed like a tool that that's something that i've always advocated for like like if you can learn something mm. no one can ever take it away from you mm-hmm. and that's a tool that if i could learn and and could acquire and, and implement in my either my profession or personal life it just seemed invaluable it just there there it just of all the languages it seemed the most versatile yeah um I mean, it is. Yeah. In this country, it's this the most valuable yes, language. But, I mean, I mean, Spain has or has uh, colonized a lot of places conveniently. And yeah. so, I mean, it's, Spanish is a very widely spoken. And, and it's, it's, it's in the Latin realm where, you know, I, I can, with my Spanish um, experience, I can more or less uh, understand other Latin languages. I mean, French, if someone's speaking French, I can kind of pick up certain nouns or whatever yeah um it, it, it just seemed practical and just a great excuse to go do something cool sorry about that brew uh was another even having been in other countries at this point and traveled and it still was very much a culture shock uh i'll, yeah. I'll never forget that first night slash day um i fly into lima another very large city at this point your skin's pretty thick with culture shock and i can adapt let's go ahead and say you're not as intimidated as you were at 19 years old walking into chile correct but it's i mean i don't think i'll ever i don't think i don't know i don't know what it would take for me to never not feel vulnerable in a new country in a new scenario i don't think it's smart to not feel that way yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a preservation tactic Mm, it's it's mm -hmm. a survival technique of like all right i i need to i need to absorb everything that i have you're watching and to absorb you have to just sit and watch Mm -hmm. and you can't but but yes um i i knew how to keep my mouth shut i had acquired some some lessons i know not to look around like a with my mouth open um, yeah, I know not to wear certain things or, or to carry certain things. Yeah, I know what to carry in certain places. Uh-huh. Um, but even that, I mean, I guess that that is the most that is why I was the most vulnerable. When you first get somewhere, you do have everything for that trip on you. When you get out of that airplane, you yeah. have your lot. You have your passport. Mm. You have all the. If you have loose cash, if you have cameras or any valuables, they're on you. Yeah, because I mean, I would imagine you would want like a. I mean, some money on you. You have to, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you gotta have. I mean, I mean, what were you carrying around? Five, six hundred bucks. I mean, I would have something on me. I it mean, depend. the older I get, the more I carry on me. Yeah. Um, and that's probably just to to scale up my lifestyle. But at that time, yeah, probably, probably, yeah, easily around a grand, probably in my pocket. Yeah, or somewhere I mean, on you, me. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. you don't your debit card might not work exactly. in freaking Peru. Exactly. So you need money. Yes. 
you know. And and, and I've lost credit cards uh, overseas. I've I've had things go wrong with my bank. I had a local bank for a long time. I learned my lesson from that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, getting into Peru, flying to Lima, I catch a taxi. Um, to at that point, I did. I do now. I know better now. I, when I'm arriving somewhere, accommodations are set. I know where I'm going. Mm. I have a place to lay my head that night at least. Yeah. Um, that one I had planned so much ahead of time. I'd already, you know, I've already, I've already got my place as in a class. I've got a, I've got a Spanish class in Lima scheduled for uh, about five weeks. Yeah. And then um, I lined up an Airbnb for for that amount of time, so a little over a month. So I'd already already paid for it. Uh, sight unseen, paid for, uh, prepaid for over five weeks of accommodations in in Lima downtown. I'm driving around this taxi, and and still my Spanish is limited, hence the school. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get to where I'm going, and I, and I can't explain it well enough. And I'm showing him the Airbnb address, and he's not he's just not getting it. And this is at like three o'clock in the morning, oh middle of the man. night, and he just gives up. He pulls over. He's like, he's like, and he opens the trunk and pulls my stuff out and puts it on the sidewalk. Oh. And I'm like, dude, please. I'm begging him at this point. I'm like, please, I, I don't know where to go. Oh, God. I don't know where I am. I can't tell anyone how to get to where I'm going. And across the street are prostitutes and people of the night. I wonder sometimes if these are nights that I just woke up randomly in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. My homie on the other Sweating side of the earth bit. is freaking sweating it out. Yeah. And the, the channels of energy are floating across, and I'm waking up anyways. I beg him. I, I, it's probably the most I've ever maybe begged a human being in my life. Of that. I was just, please put the bags back in the car. And, he, like, we both have our hands on the bag. And I'm like, dude, just let's, let's just put it back in. Mm-hmm. Let's, just, let's just get back in the car. Yeah. I felt safe in there. I don't care if we drove around all night. Yeah. Put the bags back in the car. He did. Um, nice. And I got super lucky. I, I, I didn't have a SIM card. I didn't have cell phone covered. I didn't have Wi-Fi. I couldn't get in contact with the host of where I'm staying. Mm-hmm. And I, like you said, energy must have been flowing because she just happens to stick her head out. And this isn't, this is, this isn't front yards. This isn't like you see the mailbox in the front door. This is fortified steel doors with barbed wire and broken glass at the top everywhere. And it's not, that's not because it's a bad neighborhood. That's just how it is. Mm. It's downtown. I mean, the people have yeah. electric fences and alarms around. everywhere. Yeah. And you can't see the facade of, of where you're trying to get to. You just see fence. Yeah. She sticks her head out, sees us, flags us down. I go to sleep. I mean, I, I've, I actually, so I, I don't go So the host of your Airbnb just was like, oh, hey. Yeah. God. Yeah. Did she know you're American trying to come and stay? She knew I was dumb and she knew I was white. And yeah. she knew I was coming that night. Yeah. So I assumed after a certain amount of time, maybe she got worried. Do you and think, no, do knowing you her now personally, she was a very sweet, sweet person. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And I mean, do you think, like, at that moment where the cab driver was probably fed up because he, he feels like he can't get you anywhere? Yeah. And there's a big um, language barrier, and, and obviously the frustration on both sides is uh, absolutely, you know, understandable. Mm-hmm. Do you think do you think that like a little bit of it was like like I got a big tall American guy in my my cab and he's like no you need to take me and he like you you think you intimidate him a little I bit was, I was I was forceful with my tone yeah I will say that yeah I I I think I was more pleading <laughs> but I was very yeah. 
Yes. Um, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, in that situation, but that's uh, a. So she, she flags me down. I drop my bags. And the time difference really isn't that much um, because it's just Southern Hemisphere. Um, I think it's a little ahead of time because it's east. Mm. Um, and, I, and at that point, I want to call someone, someone, anyone that I know that I can speak to and just talk English with Yeah. so bad to tell them about what I've gone through, just make me feel better. Um, but it still wasn't the right time because of the time of night and everything like that. So yeah. I'm just like pacing my room. And, I'm, and I'm, now I'm, I'm in the place that I'm going to be for five weeks. Oh, wow. I'm just looking around, and it's just a tiny little shotgun studio in the downtown Lima um, near Kennel Cuatro. This is like, which I didn't know at that time, which is relevant to my next point of I pass out, just out of exhaustion, pass out. Yeah. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Wake up in the morning to banging drums, breaking glass, oh, and chanting. And I'm like, oh, exactly. That's that's my first thought. What the hell? And, I, and you know, I'm sure if you ever woke up in a hotel and been like, where am I? Because it's somewhere new. It's not your bed. I had a little bit of that, but it's another country. Yeah, that's happened a couple of times in Knoxville. Yeah. Well, I, I wake up to banging drums. Where am I? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm, I'm way down here. And uh, I haven't seen daylight yet. I don't even know what my surroundings look like. I don't even know where I am. Mm. And I look out the window and I see... Because it was dark when you came in. Yeah. Yeah. I see police in full riot gear. Oh, God. And I see civilians with signs, breaking bottles, protesting, just causing hell down. Yeah. Peru lives matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were they were full throw protest. I mean, just causing havoc down there. And I'm like, at the, my, my mind goes to the worst. I'm like, oh, they're coming up here. Yeah. They're coming to get me or something. Like, <laughs> they saw the white guy coming <laughs> oh, last night. Oh, Jesus. And <laughs> so I haven't even I haven't really even formally met the people i'm living with which is like in a little apartment complex basically uh. with studios uh, and the host is on the on the main floor with her family and um i go downstairs trying to be calm trying to you know not scared it's whatever and she explains very calmly that it's this is just something that's normal this is we, we, we live next to a uh, network channel four network oh okay and when when something political comes out that, that the public doesn't agree with this is where they come god we need that here yeah and and we we, we can it's just not a peaceful protest well, <coughs> we don't have those either but um yeah i mean a lot of times uh i mean this this was it turns out this was like a weekly thing yeah. this is just what they do yeah and and i respected it and, and, and i eventually got to the point where i could walk through one of those and just go do what i'm gonna do yeah well they're focused on their yeah thing and you know they're not out to you know they're like everybody else man they're just trying to trying to fix their own issues man in their own community so yeah so i i i I quickly come to find that it's a it's a really nice city um very urban i have not i've never been prone to want to live in a city um visited chicago and a couple you know bigger cities in in my travels but hadn't actually dwelled in one and i got very I, it was, I actually really came to enjoy it i mean i had my bus in the morning that i'd take to class i had my little street vendor that she knew exactly what i was going to get in the morning oh nice um i'd grab breakfast eat it on the bus yeah, see the you same lean, people you leaned heavy on that breakfast order because oh, they were yeah. like oh yeah she knows that and if that girl wasn't at the thing you're probably like God, oh no that was God. her cart like that's it's hers it's not <laughs> yeah. like there's shifts like this this is this is her oh cart. nice she nice. knew what i was getting it was like it was like a it was like a form of uh quinoa 
like a saturated quinoa, kind of like oatmeal. Yeah. Um, and I would get yogurt out of a stand. I don't know why I did this. And it was never refrigerated. It was always lukewarm yogurt. Didn't mm. taste good. Yeah. It was just two things that I could get quickly. Yeah. Jump on the bus. Eat it on the way. Same people. This this old lady would always be standing up, and she'd be asleep on her arm. Like mm. a horse, like sleeping with her, like standing up. It's impressive. Wow, that's wild. And these people are on the way to work. I'm on the way to class. And um, do that for, for four weeks and get get my... Sp- pretty good i can I, I can have a i can get by yeah i can order things i can get somewhere i can ask the right questions can't have a conversation once somebody kind of goes off on a tangent i'm lost yeah but, I, but I get there right and, and i make some friends we we have some social events we go in again not a dancer but you don't have a choice if you're mm-hmm. going to a discotheque or you're going somewhere um you will be dancing yeah you told me that you said man like if you go to a nightclub like here in america you know, if you go to a club, you don't have to dance. You you can hang out at the bar or at a table or just lean up against the wall. Mm-hmm. You can literally go on the dance floor like mm-hmm. I used to do and lean up against the railing and not dance. Now, I remember you telling me on the phone, like, man, if you go, like, if you want to go to the nightclub, you dance. There is no other option. And, and then, bro, it's not it's not a two step. It's you're just jamming. You you will be pouring sweat. Yeah. And dance. You're you're a little hard out. So I I, I got to learn some moves. Probably terrible, um, but I moved around. Did, um, I mean, does anybody dance good? I mean, come on. Oh yeah, they do. They do. God yeah, dang it! Absolutely. Men, women, a lot. I mean, yes, they know how to dance. They've been doing it since they were a kid. Like yeah, yeah. I, I did eventually take some uh, salsa classes. Really? Still terrible. Mm. It's hard. It's not easy. I'm, not I'm just not a that. good dancer either. Yeah, but I'm whatever. not about that life. Um, so I live the city life, make some good friends, um, but it served its purpose. Again, I'm mean, learning the language. Let's. That's what. I, now I can go somewhere, mm. and I and I feel confident going somewhere, and doing what I need to do. Yeah. So um, head down south to Cusco. I think that was my first. Honestly, don't remember. I jumped on a bus and just started. I was like, I want to go somewhere new every day. I just want to go. I just mm-hmm. want to go now. I was tired of living in the same place, same time. Um, so I started to start traveling. Dude, doing all the tourist stuff, seeing all the old ruins and churches and stuff. Um, eventually find myself in Cusco. Yeah. Uh, people that, are, that know about Machu Picchu, that, that's, that's the central hub of where people go to access Machu Picchu. Um, one of the seven wonders of the world. And that was that was definitely an ulterior motive of mine to go see Machu Picchu, but I also knew it's it's a nice area. And it was near Bolivia. I got to see Lake Titicaca. Um, really, really did nice. Did you say name. Lake Titicaca? I did. I did. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yep, it's a, it's a real name of a real place. Um, beautiful place, by the way. And uh, I actually got to stay with some, with an, some indigenous uh, tribal people on an island on Lake Titicaca, which is a really cool experience. Got to learn how to make some of their food and um, really cool spot, beautiful spot. Um, in Cusco, I really don't know what my intentions were, but I just happened to f- run into this guy. His name's Rory, um, originally from Australia, Irish Australian, and um, he explained that he was an English teacher down there, and he was he was volunteering some of his time. He's down there with his wife and his uh, stepdaughter, and uh, his wife and his stepdaughter, his wife and him, had had, had a recent falling out. And uh, she was going back to the United States. She's from Seattle. He's from Australia. They were mm. um, 
come to find out, they were basically in an arranged marriage to uh, obtain each other's visas. Yeah. Um, or, or dual citizenships, vice, you know, vice United States, Australia. So it was, it was beneficial. But that, I think he, he, he had developed feelings, <clears throat> whatever. Um, but he's he like, hey, I, I have a house that, I'm, that is already rented out for like another few, few weeks. Come hang out. Yeah. And then, because I was telling him that, you know, I might like to get involved with a nonprofit down here or volunteer some of my time while I'm here. And he had told him that that's, that's who he's involved with. So um, went and checked out the spot. <laughs> it was in the Sacred Valley and aptly named. I mean, beautiful place. Um, and he was staying in a really beautiful place. I mean, it was, it was designed by this famous architect. Uh, a small little, small little spot, but in a position in a beautiful place in a beautiful part of the country. Mm. And um, he introduced me to uh, the organization, the new organizational um, CO, and um, she basically immediately employed me to do whatever I can do. And I told her, oh, you know, I, I've done construction, I can cook, I can teach English, I can do whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah. I'm at your disposal. Please use me. And um, Roy actually only had he left pretty soon after that. I was pretty entrenched because I mean, just it immediately I, I gravitated towards this organization because it was just you could tell it was humble and it had great intentions. It wasn't heavily funded. It wasn't like some big quote unquote nonprofit that's for profit. This was that they wanted to do good. Mm. And the person that had recently taken charge, um, she wanted to do good, and that and that meant a lot. So um, Roy let, Roy moved out. I moved out of that spot and moved into a uh their new office just upstairs in a, in a little twin bed and uh and another fun name this is a city called Pisac and uh still in the sacred valley um down from Oltavalo and uh worked for about 3 weeks or so with them and um helped renovate their new office space and design a uh subterranean greenhouse to help diversify um some of their vegetation because i mean that's the the Quechuan people so there, there's there's spanish um conquistadors the spaniards um colonized peru um and in yeah. that process basically um completely washed out all the indigenous culture and language hmm. um, but there's a lot of pockets of indigenous culture that still preserves Really? And the Quechuan people don't speak Spanish because that's not the indigenous language. Oh, wow. Quechuan language. So all this valuable Spanish that I just spent months learning mm. is now worthless. Yep. God. Um, and I'm living in their village. And it ended up being one of the coolest experiences because you're taking down levels. You're not, I mean, and, and I'm sure there's some sort of correlation with lack of uh, modernization and increase of community that results in just a elevated experience of life like they they were such beautiful people dude that's awesome like i mean i i found myself in a position because i was renovating their little spot and i was like i need i need a i need a tool i need i needed a drill but i knew they didn't have power tools so i needed like a hand drill yeah and i couldn't speak their language so i'm speaking in spanish and i go i just go to i just see wood chips out of a door because mm. all this, I mean, people that repair shoes, they're doing it by hand. Everything's by hand. They sew mm. by hand. They do everything by hand. And I see wood chips just pouring out of this doorway. And I'm like, surely they got what I need. Yeah. So I go in and I just make hand motions and speak Spanish best I can. And this guy gives me his tools. This carpenter gives me his tools. Never, obviously never met me before. Yeah. Doesn't even know what I need them for. Bro, I, know I, would I'm going. I would, we're in my shop right now. 
And if a foreigner showed up making hand gestures, yeah. not speaking a lick of English, if he walked out of here with one of my tools, I'd... <laughs> yeah. And, and was so... And obviously, I hope that I expressed with my body language I have good intentions. Yeah, that's and awesome. I give, and, and, and I'm going to give you this back. Dude. But he didn't care. That's man, that's the world right there. Yeah. That's that's what you want. That's beautiful that those little sections of that society are still holding on to like the traditional values of that place on earth. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're not going to speak Spanish. We're going to speak what we spoke a hundred years ago, and that's what we're going to keep speaking. And well, and and and, uh, and obviously they believe in kindness and sharing and. Uh, all the good values that we try to practice, you know, here. And, and just the absolute void of convenience. I mean, yeah. they, they, so after I helped renovate their, their little, their now coffee shop slash office, so they had some sort of storefront where they could host events to, you know, promote childhood uh, development and mm-hmm. whatever else, communal events. Um, then my focus began to go into designing this uh, subterranean greenhouse which was the application was going to be way up in this uh, school. Their school was up in the mountains. I mean, we had to hike. The teacher, the principal came to meet us and brought us up to this school. It took us three hours to hike there. Yeah. Switchbacks the whole way. Wow. And I'm, I'm exhausted just getting there yeah. to look at what we're going to talk about. This is the route that kids have to take every day yeah. to get to, to, to just to have the luxury to learn. Mm. They aren't complaining about I bet learning. they're excited going yeah, up there too absolutely and and not all of them come yeah. from the bottom some come live they, they, they come from all over they're not they're not crying watching tv in the back of a headrest yeah yeah, yeah. going to school yeah. And, and they don't they don't have their lunch packed with all the mm-hmm. preservatives and and, and and the conveniences and, yeah. and the brand new shoes and clothes yeah smelling they, like they, baby johnson's shampoo yeah. on the way yeah they come there willing and and loving the experience to learn fired up um, and, and I was there to help assess the, the terrain and, and, and to survey the best spot for this greenhouse because these kids, I mean, even the, the, the adults are visibly malnourished, mm. um, generationally. It's mm. not just like the, the temperament of the climate of that, of that time. It's, that's all they've, all they've eaten, which Peru is, has a beautiful diversity in certain vegetables. I mean, their, their, their starch, their, their, their potato game is strong. Mm. They have like 300-something or 3,000. I don't know. They have an insane amount of variety of t- potatoes. Potatoes? Hmm. Yeah. Purple, orange. They have like plantains and like bananas? Yeah. Yeah, in, in more temperate areas. Oh. But up in the mountains, and because of the mountains and the shape of the mountains, because the peaks, the rain and the soil has been stripped for so long, for yeah. forever, however long they've been there, have been stripped. All the nutrients from the soil has been stripped away. Oh, so wow. the only thing that does grow there is potatoes. Oh, God. And, the, the, and, they, and, they get the, and the, so they eat... A variety, some some form of soup and potatoes and and rice and the occasional protein. Wow. They they, they don't have they they definitely don't have a I mean the nutrient dense proteins and and carbohydrates and and fruits and stuff that that you need for brain development especially at an early age was not available. They they, they couldn't get it. They, it wasn't accessible. And to get it, they I mean they they had like a monthly market that they could hike wow. four hours to and yeah. carry what they could. Yeah, it's not. And pay what they had to. Yeah. So it's it's just not it's not the convenience was not there. Mm-hmm. And this this greenhouse would provide them with the opportunity to uh, regulate the temperature and introduce compost and nutrient rich soils 
to grow more diverse vegetation. And that was the hope. And, and to have it locally there at the school where it's accessible. All right, we're going to eat lunch. Here's, here's some fresh whatever, yeah. right? And just the educational pr- purpose of it. Um, so spent my time there. It was really, really nice. Um, and then I did the Machu Picchu trek. That was a Salkantai trek. It was like a five-day uh, intent trek to Machu Picchu, which was a really cool experience. The mountain climbing? Uh, no, I mean, it's, 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 just, it's just trekking. Okay. I mean, it, it's strenuous at, at times. Yeah. You definitely gain some elevation, but it's, it's with a big group. You have Sherpas. I mean, uh, you have people that carry your stuff. Before we get into your uh, exit of Peru, I've got to take a massive pee. So I'm okay. going to pause this real quick and we'll be right back, folks. All right. So um, you were talking about educational system a little bit in Peru and getting into that. And uh, you mentioned, after talking about some of that stuff, you did a little trek across a uh, a mountain. What was that? Or Machu Picchu is it's, it's a historical landmark, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. That's it's uh, the Quechuan people. Oh, well, really? It's, it's, it's one a, of the seven wonders. Mm-hmm. Eight. That's sick. I them. I don't know. It's wonderful. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a historical landmark, and and it was it's speculated. There's a lot of speculation on what it was used for, but it's pretty safe to assume it was a religious uh, ceremonial place where where, where where priests and and people went to convene. Oh, wow. And uh, I mean, the architecture is incredible. It's it's a, it's like a um, a staggered uh, monolithic like just stone built. I mean, rigid structure that that was had it had to be recreated in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, but the way that certain things line up uh, with the with the with the astrology with the stars, um, it, it's it's more than intentional. I mean, it's 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 on par with like like the pyramids. Yeah. Um, it, it's very impressive. And a lot of people go there. Uh, a lot of people like to take. So, so, so the there's two tr- there's two paths to get there. There's the Incan Trail, and then there's the Salkantai Trail. The Salkantai Trail mm. is was used for commoners like myself. That's why I elected to go. So it's also a lot cheaper. Yeah. The Incan Trail is was Inca. Uh, I think translates in Quechuan to like God or, or or to, I think God. Um, some some somewhere high up, somewhere high tiered, um, on the religious uh, specter, and that is only used for gods. And the the idea is that um, th- they were like a running tribe, and, and a lot of a lot of messages would get passed back and forth. And there's huge just steps, stone steps um, along the way. Mm. And, uh, and and the Sulkin Tide takes I think five days. And um, just you get to see a lot of cool stuff on the way, and, and it's a really nice trek. Um, I definitely recommend. There are options to take a bus to the top. Yeah. Um, which. If you're elderly or incapable of, of, of taking that five-day trek, Absolutely. by all means, yeah. it's a beautiful place to observe, and, 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 and it, it demands reverence when you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, which the last days was was actually the funnest, um, or the most fun, where, where, you, where you wake up in the morning early, early, and uh, it's 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 a na- you know it's 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 protected by park rangers or whatever, and um, they open the gates, and the gates it's a free for all. And they open them at, uh, I want to say like 5 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes It's still dark. And they open these gates. And it's whoever can get to the top fastest gets through the gates first. Oh, wow. And these steps, see, they are huge. They're like 18 inches tall. They're, they're, they're not OSHA steps. They're old. Yeah. And, and, they're, and, they're, and, well, and they were designed for someone with a full gate. That's what's impressive. They were intentionally made big 
so that someone on a full run sprint is going to go up this mountain. Not little bitty tiny steps, big mm-hmm. steps, right? So me and some folks, I mean, we all, I mean, I've been training. I've been running. Mm-hmm. I've been climbing for five days. So I'm ready. I want to be first. Yeah. And, I, and I'm up against probably a thousand people. Oh, wow. And um, I, 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 sh- I, 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 little strategy, I shuffle my way up. And you and I, I mean, you've, we've both done full and half marathons. We, we've, we've, and we do them organized sports. Like we know what struggle. We know how to work through temporary pain to get to the main objective. Yeah. Um, this was difficult. And, yeah. you, and you're running in pitch dark. Oh, wow. And um, a lot of people use headlights. My strategy was not use a headlight. It was a full moon. You could see yeah. enough. Yeah. And I didn't want to let somebody know where I was. Go dark, dude. Yeah, and if I, I wanted to sneak up on folks. I could, yeah. I could see their little shaking headlight jumping around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm coming to get Sign you. Sign of weakness. Yeah. I'm out here running in the moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm eating some folks up. Some people are passing me. But it ends up, I was third. Two dudes from Canada. Oh, wow. Me. Yeah. Felt pretty good about that. Yeah. Uh, still have to sit there and wait for like an hour until they actually open the gates. So you don't really get the gratification of walking in and having it by yourself but you get to see it first whatever um beautiful place and uh after that traveled north to Juarez, peru and did some climbing that was when i did some i was i was definitely got the climbing bug i wanted to get in the mountains i wanted to like booked a uh a guided like ice alpine climb that was really cool um and then kept traveling north uh stopped in I don't know. It, 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 it's a surf village in northern yeah. Peru that has the longest left-hand surf break, so you can just ride away for like a mile. Yeah. Um, really cool place. Is this the same trip you stopped in Colombia? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I kept going north. Made made a made a borderland crossing in Ecuador. Um, Ecuador was a very different vibe. Very uh, a little colder. Let me say this: the people were were were, were warm and food yeah. was great. They just were much less used to seeing tourists, I believe. Really? In general. There were areas and little pockets that felt touristy and and accommodating, but I started, I I was looking around, I was like, I'm kind of the only one guy here. Wow. I don't really like, I didn't really like the feeling in a lot of places, um, just because they weren't comfortable with me and vice versa. Because they weren't comfortable with me being there, I didn't feel comfortable being there. Um, Which is a lot of what I was going after. I wanted to feel that. Um, but I also wanted to experience nature and, and adventure. So I gravitated toward those places. Banos is one of those places where it's like a really cool outdoors oriented, uh, tourist attraction in, in Ecuador. It's like a hub for a lot of other fun activities. Um, did that, uh, I don't know if I ever show you that. I'm sure I showed you the video of me jumping off the bridge. Uh, it's like a really high bridge over this river, probably like a couple hundred feet over this river. And it, it looks like you're bungee jumping, but it's just a rigid rope. And I jumped off this bridge with a rigid rope and got an ultimate wedgie and um, probably castrated myself. But (laughs) um, that was also, it was was just a really cool hub. And that was where I um, coordinated my Amazon trip. And uh, my, 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 like, it originally was supposed to be about a five day trip in the Amazon. Yeah. Um, It was not the time of year to do that. And I really had Mm -hmm. to find the right person that was willing to take me. Man, I didn't know you went to the Amazon. Yeah. It's hard to imagine, like, you know, Peru and Ecuador, you know. I need to get a globe. 
yeah. in the middle of this table just to give some reference to stuff. But, man, was Amazon thick? It was every – I mean, I just read a book called The Lost City of Z. I mean, because we're – yeah. Well, I've seen the movie. The movie, yeah. I'm lame. Great but, movie. I mean, we, you know, we live in Tennessee, and this is a very lush – um, ecosystem. We have a lot of undergrowth. We have a lot of plant life, and uh, our summers here are extremely green. Mm. I, I mean, I love the summer in Tennessee. That's just my my jam. I mean, going up to Center Hill Lake, you feel like you're, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. Be there tomorrow, but I can't imagine the energy that you get from being in the Amazon. There's so much life, man. Yeah. So we take a bus from, from Banos. Uh, it's about a, like, probably a 10-hour bus. And Banos is already out there. You take a 10-hour bus well into out there, mm. and they drop you off. It's just a dead end. Oh, it's just a dead end to, to a little there's, – there's, there's a couple, like, market stands. Yeah. Um, but it's just and, – and the guy was like, just wait here. Your boat will be here eventually. Oh, wow. And the boat and the, and the bus leaves. Was it one of them weird boats that are like it's like a basically like a really long canoe with a Absolutely. motor on the back? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did you see those on like the Travel Channel, History yeah. Channel? Yeah. It's like a little Indian guy in like a twenty foot canoe. Oh, with like a forty horse though. Those oh yeah. Move that they like pick up out of the water with a handle and just drop that freaking thing in. So eventually they do show up. And that's a blue. I mean, alligators blue. in there. Oh, absolutely. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. bro. Yeah. I'm Pink out, dolphins, dude. I'm out. Arapaima, uh, just like oh yeah, all the piranhas, everything. Nope, nope. Um, he shows up. I throw my backpack in the boat, and um, we just take off. And he's taking paths that don't look like paths for a boat. No. Like you talk about undergrowth and thick vegetation, and it's it's still the high season, so the water's higher than your typical tourist season where you have channels. This is anywhere, and we're just going. To, and he told, and he tells me in Spanish, don't touch anything. Looks me in the eyes. and It's like, do not touch anything. And we're going through all this, and it, and I'm touching things, or things are touching me. Yeah. And and I'm just trying to stay out of the way. Just, just, just make myself as skinny as possible. And sure enough, like a couple minutes later, I feel fire ring off in my arm. Oh, God. And I look down, there's these ants on me. And he was like, I told you not to touch anything. Dude, I'm trying. So, yeah, we, we eventually get there. And, we I mean, this is a good two-hour boat ride hauling wow. to get to where we're going. And they call it an e- eco-lodge. Uh, it's essentially like a wood frame uh, building with, like, mosquito nets. Yeah. Um, really, really small. It's basically like big bamboo. Yeah. Yeah. And it's off the ground. Yeah. The and all that. They all, yeah. It seems like, I mean, I'm just talking what I've seen on TV. But it always seems like they live on, like, these elevated platforms like above like 10 mm-hmm. like 10 foot off the ground they seem like they get up there yeah it's, uh, they're not trying to mess around with there were definitely ones like that what's so, on the ground so the first night and, and, and we're bringing you know we have our sustenance we have our we have our provisions that we brought on the boat with us yeah. gasoline because everything's I mean, obviously there's no utility grid um, mm-hmm. everything's ran off generator so you have to be very selective when you run your generator because you only have so much gas yeah. so when do you really want light and then yeah. also when do you really want light because light attracts bugs and there's there's a few bugs out in the amazon mm. um so we play cards at night like we like we'd play in headlamps and then like i would look at my cards turn my headlamp on turn the headlamp off oh god just so bugs didn't just swarm your face jeez dude 
um, first night we go, or first evening, uh, we eat a little something, and he's like, you want to go swimming? And uh, we go to this lagoon, and we swim, we're jumping off the boat, we're having a good time. And it's just me, the guide, and the cook. It's just just the three of us, right? There's no one else at this tourist thing, like uh, this small little lodge. Typically, I would imagine, because there was multiple structures, there'd be like other people with you, other tourists. Yeah. It, was just, it was just me. So it was really, really fun. Um, we got to do whatever I wanted to do, basically. Mm-hmm. And so we swam, we did whatever. We came back, we played cards, we drank. Um, and then that night, he was like, all right, you want to go see some alligators? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, man, let's go see. <laughs> we go right back where we just got done swimming. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I felt so betrayed. But they were swimming, too, so I can't say they were trying to get me killed. Oh, my God. Bro. We go right back to where we just got done swimming. Find all sorts of alligators. Really fun. Big snakes. Did you see their eyes? Oh, yeah. And we go up oh to them. Oh, my God. Oh, we go up to them. They're big. Bro. Yeah. Your legs are wider than the <laughs> gum KFC, bro. They were fixing it. The- they look like tilapia. So, next day... Um, do, do the whole. I mean, we, I, I, it was really, it was really fun. It was exactly what I was hoping out of this Amazon experience. I mean, I caught uh, piranha with a bamboo pole, and we ate it. And I still have the jaw at my house. And we uh, went to d- other tribes. Uh, I met some shamans with a little, little expectation of doing some ayahuasca, but I ended up not doing that. It wasn't the right time. The shaman was preoccupied with multiple days of orgies. Um, we saw pink dolphins which are apparently really rare mm-hmm. um and i ended up getting to stay a couple extra days because they they said we got some guy coming in from spain and he's not coming for a couple more days and we got to go pick him up anyway you just want to hang out yeah oh like, yeah man so i could i could hang out a little extra longer and oh that's it was, cool it's a good time um definitely got my uh, i'm not i wouldn't say i'm gonna, i'm ready to move there yeah it was a really cool experience exactly what i wanted and needed and, um but I'm I'm not the main character from Lost City of Z. Um, so from from the Amazon is that when you went to Colombia? Mm-hmm. Pretty and, much. And uh, you so at this time period, because I remember talking to you about this. At this time period, I think Obama was the president, and he had just legalized Colombian cigars. No, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like we we probably just got uh, tourists got accessibility to Cuba. Cuba, sorry, Cuban yes, cigars. Correct. Yeah, and that's yes. Okay. Colombia was was still in a in, in a pretty tumultuous uh, climate with tourism, and you know that was that was when they were shooting narcos. Mm-hmm. That was oh, in the middle man. of them shooting narcos. Dude. I mean, they were literally shooting while I was there. And so I had, yeah. You, obviously, you went to Pablo Escobar's gravesite. I did. How was the energy at that place? I, I did, and this it was it was frowned upon. It was it's controversial there really? because he's he's not a celebrated individual for mm. for known reasons. I mean, he's not a he's not a vigilante. the 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 money that he claims to have given back and and, and circulated back into the to the environment or, or the community was just to help him with with his political agenda. And yes, I'm sure he he had limited good intentions but overall he was not a good person and a lot of his actions mm-hmm. were, i mean he blew up a plane with civilians in it that's not a good look uh i mean i think the guy was a uh, 
he was a drug lord and uh he was a savage and i think that um he wasn't trying to do anything but to gain power for himself uh, here in america we like to um uphold villains america loves villains and i think uh you know pablo has a f certain amount of attract attractiveness to him because you know he was kind of one of the first ones to take the uh, cocaine business big mm. and uh we like to celebrate that or think it's cool or whatever but yeah it seems like he did a lot of i mean if you're from that area you probably don't have the same opinion, yeah. you know. But uh, does he just have like a pretty like subtle grave or yeah, what's, just what's a just on? a granite headstone? Just like here, Pablo Escobar lies. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, you can walk up to it anytime. Wow. Yeah. And next to it, or, or close to it, is there's the Black Widow, which apparently is should be more spoken to. No way, Isabella yeah. or yeah, Isabel yeah. Blanca or whatever yeah. her name is. You were standing over their two dead bodies. Uh, that, yeah. You get any weird energy off that? Bro, that lady was nuts. I felt, I felt, I felt, and this isn't, this isn't good, and this isn't something to be proud of, but I, I did feel a little more gangster. I felt a little like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, How could I, you not? I left, I, and this is, something's, this is dumb and, and, and immature, but I, I left a coca leaf. So, I, so coca leaves, a little, yeah. little history on the coca leaf. <laughs> um, I got introduced to them in Peru. Mm -hmm. And the coca leaf is, with other additives and accelerants, is used to make cocaine. Yeah. But the coca leaf, in its purest form, as a plant, um, can be used as, as as a vascular stimulator, similar to co I mean to, to, <laughs> to coffee, mm. and um, can help ease altitude sickness. Oh wow! So when I was climbing uh, the Sherpa. Chew First time I ever leaf. saw, it. yeah, he would have like 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 chaw, like chew. Yeah, would have it in his lip, oh, and wow. chew it up and put it in his lip, just like just. And I was like, hey, I used to, I like, I like some chewing tobacco. Let's, I'm gonna try it out, and it did help. Oh wow! And it, and it gives you, it gives you the, the 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 same stimulant effect of of coffee, essentially. So you left a, you left a cocoa leaf on Pablo Escobar's grave. That was out of ignorance. Now looking back, I was just like, I hadn't really gotten the full gravity of who he was and what I was doing there, other than I. Again, I, I, I sensationalized his story based on the uh, based on the TV show. I think that's pretty cool, though. It was kind of. I felt I felt like it was cool. I mean, yeah. you are probably one of the only people. I mean, who else is? I mean, come on, who else has gone to Pablo Escobar's grave and dropped a cocoa leaf on top of his graveside? fair that's Still, uh, don't feel cool. great about it nah, well you know yeah. nobody likes everything they've ever done <laughs> but i still think that's kind of cool but anyways so columbia columbia and by the way gets a bad rap i mean i uh, peru super accommodating it's it's modernized great food scene so the ceviche and everything. I mean, uh, yeah. food in Peru. Yes. Remember you tell me you had a good time. Ooh, Peru's great. Yeah. Peru, Peru's so easy to go to. Yeah. If you just want to experience South American culture and food, go to Peru. Yeah. Um, Colombia, though, if you want to experience vibrance and life and and the people and like it's the colors and the energy, it's a beautiful, awesome place. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 in spite of their negative rap for decades prior yeah they're very receptive to to tourists they really? want to change their name and they are changing their name they have changed their name let's cool. go there you'll see that and it's it's so columbia um was unfortunately my my last stop on that uh on that stint of south america yeah um my my original intention was to end in uh costa rica traveling uh, by land ideally through panama um, but I was advised otherwise. Uh, the yeah. the only other thing, the only thing of note, I guess, in Colombia that I got to experience was a, uh, uh, lack of a better term, a, uh, what a cult, a, co- uh, a communion, a, a, a conglomerate of like-minded people mm. that you have to know about before you get there. You can't just walk up and go. Yeah. It's called Nuevo Mundo. Yeah. Uh, I was on the north coast of Colombia, and this girl from, that I was traveling with, uh, one girl was from Paris, and the other girl, the other dude was from the Netherlands. We were traveling together, and we went to this uh, north coast uh, town. And uh, first night we got there, just a little sign up before we get to, to, to Nuevo Mundo, was some pretty traumatic experience of uh, what can be if you are a tourist in a, in a foreign land and don't, and just impose yourself. And the repercussions um, that can be had from from just assuming that that your rights extend to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. right? So this uh, we we get there, we get to this hostel really late at night, and uh, it's a pretty sleepy coastal town, um, and we get to a, a, a decent hostel, and uh, we're checking in, and like everywhere else, they have you usually have two barriers of entry, they have your big steel iron-cladded door with spikes and barbed wire. Yeah. And then you have, like, a gate. Like, you, once you get in there, then you have a gate. Oh, wow. Like a wrought iron gate. Yeah. That then you have to go through. Okay. So, uh, that, that's pretty standard. Yeah. We're inside, and uh, someone bangs on the iron door. And he's speaking English. The receptionist buzzes him in through the iron door. Mm. But he still has the wrought iron barrier between us and him. And he, you can tell he's very visibly distraught. He's like, I, I need help. Someone's coming to get me. They're coming to kill me right now. Oh, wow. Help me, help me, help me. And we're like, what? Like, slow down. Explain what's going on. Because his energy, we understand he needs help, but we're not willing to introduce that stuff into our world until mm. he can explain his, like his, his situation, right? Yeah. And he, and he just can't seem to collect himself. And so eventually the, the receptionist is like, sorry, go back outside. And, you know, I'm, I sometimes impose myself on situations, especially like with, with high, like elevated situations. Like I'm like, all right, hey, bud, he's told you to leave. Go on. They're not coming to get you. You, you could tell he was delirious. Mm-hmm. Like, man, you, you, you need to go. Like your problem isn't our problem. Go down there. Go call the cops. Mm. Like do, do what you got to do, but your problem isn't our problem right now. Uh, he then proceeds to start to climb the, the, the wrought iron fence between oh. us and him. And there's like a two-foot gap at the top. And it's like a 15-foot wrought iron fence. It's not a little small thing, right? So I'm like, this dude's coming over. Yeah. So I push. Uh, I don't push, but I, 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 I kind of like divide him eventually coming over and the girl and the dude from the Netherlands. And the receptionist is still behind the desk. And he's already got pepper spray in hand. Oh, wow. You better right? light him up. Yep. So that stuff sucks. This dude 
just falls back, falls on the ground. No, he falls onto the receptionist's desk, crashes the computer, printer, everything. Everything's oh. just falling all over the desk. Wow. Receptionist freaks out, starts just pepper spray, deploy. Just gunning everything? Receptionist has it pointed back in his own face. Oh, bro. That stuff's wicked, man. And it goes everywhere because he's freaking out. Yeah. So he's done. Receptionist is out of the game. Oh, man. Freaking I, out. I've been sprayed before. It's, it's in terrible. the air. We're, like, starting to choke a little bit. Oh, it's it'll, – dude, it'll clear a room. Yeah. It's not fun. sure. I worked in a jail before. I, yeah. So this is, this is at – remind you, this is at, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Everyone mm. else in the hostel is asleep. And the only yeah. – th- and this guy's tunnel vision. This guy's on something else, another level, right? Yep. He then – the only path he sees at that point to get away from what he thinks is someone trying to kill him is through the hostel, which is up some stairs. Mm. And the girl from France and, like, every, everybody, everybody's all discombobulated. She eventually, like, grabs onto his shirt and was like, you can't go up there. Like, like I don't think she even got that far to say it. He grabs her and throws her over the side of the stairs. Oh, wow. And I'm running up to try to stop him from getting – I'm thinking, like, he's going in these rooms where these people are asleep. Yeah. No. This dude, Staley, does some alien acrobatics. He runs, he runs up the stairs, and then there's like a, I swear it's a 15-foot wall, like a, like a CMU wall. He like runs up it, like parkour style, grabs the top, scales it, and goes over. What? Into another building. And you're like, all right, see you. And I was like, whoa, all right. Well, he's out of our area. <laughs> yeah. And then you start hearing like a bull in a china shop. Oh, my God. In that other building, just yeah. stuff's breaking. God. Staley, this dude. So then reception's kind of collected himself at this point, calls the cops. We go outside because we know that the, the adjacent building is, is like the end of, the, of the, the block. So it's a corner unit. And he's on the second floor just breaking shit. Dang. He jumps out of the second story window. Not like he opens the window mm. and then jumps out. No, he, he broke it. He jumps through the second story window. Oh, wow. Butt naked. Oh. Lands on the cobblestone. Now, now this is like center city, like the, the town square. Yeah. This Canadian tourist hopped up after jumping through the second story window, falls onto the cobblestone, and this isn't... You know, again, not OSHA standard uh, or, or IBC standard glass. This, this isn't tempered glass. This is sheer glass. And he has a lacerated himself, multiple Oof. arteries. He's tore up. He's pouring blood. Mm. Cops are here now trying yeah. to tell him to calm down. And I'm like, bro, like, like uh, we, we speak the same language. You need to just let them get you in under control. Yeah. He'll sit down, they'll come up to him, then he'll jump up and go crazy, and he'll run away. And still, like, I'm telling, like, puddles. Yeah, he's just spewing blood. Yeah. And, wow. and, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I feel, at this point, I'm like, dude, I, I, was, I was here for me. Like, I feel a little bit of responsibility here. Mm. And I'm trying to get him to just calm down. And the cops don't understand, and they, and they don't want to touch him because he's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. They don't know what he, you know, blood's mm. a tricky fluid. So Yeah, man. Long story short, um, he he ends up passing away. Oh wow! Not, really? Not in front of me. Yeah. Um, the cops. He he eventually he eventually starts running away, 
and the cops stop us, the the civilians from 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 following the rest of the cops. Yeah. Um, I don't know the rest of the story other than the next day. I just know that he didn't make it. Probably just bled out. Probably. But I also know that he was trying to enter other people's houses and mm. still keep going. So what do you think was, from your perspective, do you think, like, he was on some type of drug or was he oh, absolutely psychotic? or I, I, I think oftentimes. A little know, bit of both? Yeah. that Well, yes. Um, I, I, th- I think he definitely was under the influence of some sort of um, amphetamine or, or narcotic that he either did too much of or had done too much of for too long or mm. accentuated his already pre-existing conditions. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, that was. Man, that's why I really haven't told a lot of, a lot of that. Um, yeah, well, no, that's a, wow, that's a, that's a wild travel story. I mean, that's, um, it's rare when you get to, witness somebody at the uh, final moments of their life and you don't really want to witness somebody at the final moments moments of their life if they're uh not doing well yeah so and, yeah so god that, that, I, I guess that's a that's a that, that's a cautionary tale for people that i mean even if you go on vacation travel to another country well um, this is something that i wanted to talk to you about and um man you've done so much i think we're gonna uh continue this conversation when we um come to south carolina in august we'll do a pod at the uh in south carolina at your house on the uh screened in or whatever we need to do it but um to continue because you've been to uh i mean just to continue on after that you went to africa and then you went on to um, New Zealand? Yeah, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. So that's a, that's a whole other pod in itself, um, getting into those. And I'd like to break those up into a couple of podcasts just so we don't get into too long. But I wanted to kind of ask you a couple of questions. So, I think so many people have those experiences that you've had running around the world. But it's hard to when you have a job and you have a girlfriend or a wife or a husband in-laws that depend on you or parents that are a little bit clingy or your friends don't support you know hey i want to go you know backpack across europe and your friends are like what that's stupid and um so i just kind of wanted to ask you like all this traveling that you've done I'm sure it's been a little bit of a sacrifice because I'm sure you've gained just a so much knowledge, life experience from that. And I think that that's helped to get to where you are today. Man, people are, are very scared to do that, you know. Uh, you know. You know how middle Tennessee is. People around here, man, Panama City and Orange Beach, about as far as they go. Do you think that you've had to um, delay things in your life or sacrifice certain things in your life to get these life experiences to go to far parts of the world and experience other people's culture, to experience these, you know, moments that you've had in these other countries where it's moving? I mean, how much is that um, 
contributed to how like the person you are today yeah i mean it's 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 definitely delayed the societal terms of like what i where i should be well um, i don't know if it's delayed well i guess delay would would, would indicate like you know it's still impending or, or that yeah is yet to come but i guess what I didn't. I felt, or still feel, that I, I I had no choice. It didn't. It didn't seem like it was trivial. It wasn't like it was something that I even necessarily even chose to do. It was like yeah. this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um. And, and it made little sense to me upon return when people would ask me about. I mean, it was, it was pretty standard. Like, oh, that's crazy. It's really cool. You got to do that. And um, I wish I could do that. And and how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um. And of course, uh, it's it's it is sacrifice. I mean, any endeavor, uh, professionally or personally, or it's sacrifice is absolutely a part of anything that's really worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and I, I just felt that it was it, that that what I felt that I was led to do. Um, it, it didn't. The sacrifice was well worth whatever yeah. the reward would be, which I didn't know what the reward was going to be, but. It turns out that I've I've I have gained um, perspective and um, things that that people can't take from me, mm-hmm. uh, the experience, um, at the expense of um, personal uh, relationships. I mean, I I wish I could um, have experienced more. I mean, I I guess I I did miss out on certain aspects of um, the young adult life of of college and. Um, but that that was very intentional. I don't know, man. We had a lot of good times back in them days. Yeah, I think you're around enough. <laughs> I definitely I, I partook <laughs> in the good parts. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, that's awesome. And I I do want to get next time. I want to get into um, your last two trips that you've taken most recently, for sure, because. I think those are some of the best, but I want to I want to save that for another time. And uh, next time, I, w- I do want to talk a little bit more about like how you go about planning these trips. Mm. And because uh, you know, hey, at the end of the day, you had a job, a full time job, and you made the commitment to set that aside and go to these places and do this, and it's all worked out for you. And I think that people would really appreciate the uh, insight on how you did it and, you know, kind of the, you know, cause that's a little bit foreign to most people. Like, I, well, I don't know how to just like leave my full-time job, go on and do something like that. Yeah. So, but, um, like I said, we're going to get back to it. Eventually we're going to be at your place in August and we're going to get back into it and cover them last couple of trips. But I wanted to get back into a little bit of hitters only and uh, I'll cover some music real quick and see what you think and uh, wrap this puppy up. I think my wife is chewing at the bit to drink a couple of drinks with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> so we host all of our podcasts in the shop here. It's an open bar. So you might hear a little background music, a little couple of dogs barking. That's because we like to have a good time. I want this song to absolutely blow my ears apart on the way out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a great time. I hope that... uh, Hold on. Woo! 
God bless Milton, Tennessee. Amen. And God bless all you people. Love y'all. Big hugs, tiny kisses. Good night. <laughs>